Hello everyone, welcome to the Joking Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Morning. And Nathan. Hello. How are we, boys? All good. All good. Uh, starting to get better. I'd ah, my... yes. Yes, yeah. you were feeling a bit iffy, weren't you? Well, I had my first uh, vaccine jab last week and yeah. First yeah. 24 hours, I was okay. And then after 24 hours, everything started happening. <laughs> yeah, that happened with me too. So, yeah, I got the same thing. Just felt crap for 24 hours and then it felt okay after that. Bit of a hurty well, arm as well. Well, here's something to cheer you up. Ooh. It's a very special day for us today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's our one year anniversary. Woo! Can you believe it? One, years old. one whole year, every two weeks, and we've not missed an episode. Exactly. Just to be honest, I think it's astonishing. <laughs> Done really well. I mean, we've had um, some clashes, so we've had to change the times a bit, but we've we've done well to get through we've it. We've always been there. We've always been there. This is the 27th episode. We've had one special, three Top of the Pods. It's been great. We need to do another Top of the Pod. Mm. Do yeah. A long, long, long time. Okay, well, shall we get straight into it then? Let's do it. Some news. Shall I start? Right, okay. So, <laughs> the product head of Stadia has left. So, John Justice, the vice president and product head of Stadia, left Google. Uh, apparently, he joined in 2019, and just before it was giving up for launch. And uh, now he's hopped it and left. And it's just, and he was like responsible for seeing, overseeing like the consumer experience for Stadia. I think that's pretty much the end, really, isn't it? Well, they have subsequently come out and said that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got to say that, haven't they, though? Yeah, (laughs) try and save face. Yeah. I mean, I was looking into this, and they've only got 10,000 daily users on Stadia. That's absolutely terrible for a platform. It's not sustainable, really, is it? I mean... It's unfathomable that you've got the company the size of Google and they've made such a balls up of this. Well, it's not the first time that they've made a balls up of something. Like, look at Google what? Glass and Gmail well, have Plus. Seen, yeah, have you seen that website called um, <laughs> Google Graveyard? No. Basically, no. it's just a website with like a load of headstones on it and it's just like of everything that Google have made and then that's died. Oh, let me just check that. Oh, it's Stadia. I'm <laughs> interested. <laughs> Yeah, that, I'm sure that'll be joining us soon enough. We'll see. I mean, I never, I never really bought, bought into it. I mean, when they first came out with like the deal, I think they were going to give away like three months premium um, Destiny Two, the um, their controller, and then a Google Chrome 4K. Um, it was a, it was enticing because like the Google 4K Chrome was like seventy quid on its own, and. I thought, oh, maybe I'll buy into this, but then, I mean, for me, I, I, I still like the physical aspect of games, so it do, doesn't really meld with my um, ethics, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I hear streaming, it's just like, mm, mm. dirty word. Yeah, I Is mean, appar- apparently also uh, with that, it's come out that they can't sustain 4K 60fps like they promised at the beginning. Even with a decent internet connection, isn't that the whole like sort of selling point they were going for? Yeah, that was like the what? main thing that you don't have to buy a console because this service can do it for you, basically. It turns out you do need to buy a console. Yeah, terrible business model. 
Uh, I'm just waiting for the inevitable news where they just cancelled everything, got rid of it, delete, delete, delete. Delete Stadia. Yeah, so um, Sony have been busy bees. Um, mm, yeah. So it's come out that they've, they're currently working on 25 games for the PS5, and half of those are going to be new IPs, which is really exciting. Mm. Um, so there's games that we already know that they are working on and that they're going to bring out in the short to midterm, like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, um, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, God of War Ragnarok, and a few others. Um, I think this is really exciting because um, it's not as if they're kind of resting on the current IPs that they've got because they want to make new ones as well, big and small, um, that they've mentioned. Um, I want to see a couple of new VR games as part of this. I just want them to tell us when it's going to be here, the new VR, because I'll be honest, there's some VR games that I've got that I really want to play, but not in its current iteration because mm. mm. it's yeah. a bit too clunky. It is, and it's a faster setup. Mm. Yep, definitely. But yeah, what well, have you guys got any thoughts on um, on this and the amount of games that they're working on? I think it can only be a good thing. More choice can't be a bad thing, can it? It can't be a bad thing. It's nice to know they are working on games. Um, but I think I'm I'm in that mindset now. Just like, can we can we show and not tell? I'd rather see something, even if it was just one new game that they're working on. Like it's nice to say that you're working on a lot of games, but at this yeah. moment, it's just kind of, you know. <laughs> it takes time, though, doesn't it? I mean, it takes time. I mean, it's, it's nice that, yeah, it's nice that they've told people. It's just like, now I'm like, okay, then when's, when when can we start seeing some of these new games? Because it's, it's, it reminds me a little bit of that kind of sometimes when uh, companies at E3 use it to, like, here's a new game, and then it's like, actually, it's just like mm. work in progress. It's like it's nice, but I I want I want to start seeing seeing them now. Have you heard what Xbox has said? No. So basically, meanwhile, uh, Xbox's head of gaming services Ben Decker has said that they have a whole new one IP that will go on Game Pass and it will blow your mind. I mean, gotta step it up there, bro. Well, it better be good <laughs> if it's only one. I mean, I, I'm just being mean, but I don't know, maybe keeping other things close to the chest. But you never know. True, true. Yeah, I mean, off the back of that, um, it's come out that Starfield's going to be an Xbox exclusive. So it's begun. The Bethesda... Shouldn't be surprised. Well, that's it, yeah. Well, some had to go exclusive on it. So if they say Star- Starfield's probably the biggest one that they could they could keep exclusive, yeah. I think. Be interesting to see see what the game will be all about though, because we've not really had anything over outside of leaked screenshots. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's good for Xbox. Like, I've got my Series X, and I, I am enjoying playing the games that came out on the Xbox One and all the enhancements that they've made, because they've made quite a few um, FPS upgrades, and definitely for um, EA games. Um, mm. But I just want something new on the console, something fresh that I can play and get my teeth into, really, that's going to, in essence, make it worth it to have that console. Because right now, I'm just waiting on Flight Simulator and Halo Infinite. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah. you know, the thing about Halo Infinite, apparently a 343 Industries former dev said that they're working under crunch conditions to try and do Halo Infinite. Well, they'll have to, won't they? Fortunately. There's nothing new there. 
Not good though, is it? Uh, it's not good. Um, I'm getting a little tired of talking about cringe stuff. Because, like, mm. I mean, obviously you had, like, what, you had No Dog with Last of Us Part 2, you had, uh, you've got CD, CD Project, Project Red, Red yeah. for Cyberpunk. Um, you know, I, I think every company goes through a period of some sort of crunch, like, that it's just unfortunate that some ha- that's kind of in the industry. I don't know how to do you, do you help games, solve. Do you think games are trying to be too ambitious nowadays? All development companies are. They're, um, they're, not, they're not being realistic with themselves. I think it's more that. Maybe. I think it's more not being realistic in terms of when they can release these games. Because yeah. there are certain times that these games need to hit in terms of when they release. I think if you're looking to get something out for like around November to Christmas time, then you will probably see some crunch there to get some last few bug fixes done and get the game over the line. Well, if that's yeah. the case, then you've got to make sure it's the right amount of years before that date. That's mm. the thing. And I think people are giving themselves too short time frame. Because games are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and getting more, more complicated. Particularly mm. so, sort of like campaign games and single players and that kind of thing. And it's just, I think you need to step back and say, like, this, this, is, this just isn't working. You've seen the deluge of games that have come out that are just not being read. Mm, mm, yeah. I wonder where that kind of pressure comes from, though, from those. Like, shareholders. Yeah, well, I was thinking this year is probably shareholders, but I also wonder how much of it is kind of fan expectation as well. Of like, right, fans expect now the next game to be even bigger than what the previous one is, so... And then we also and we've got all this, you know, the silly culture of like going on the hype train and stuff. Um, well, that's developers that. getting into that. They should just say no. We're going to release it when it's ready. Yeah. Well, I don't think the developers really have that much power over what goes out because well, it's, when, it's when to do with it? the managers in between the developers and that's, the board, basically. Well, that's what I mean, really. It's yeah. Like the people no, yeah. need to have some sense. Yeah, I don't think there's any fault on the on the actual developers. I think it's more kind of like marketing and, and higher ups that apply that pressure on the developers to get the game ready for mostly kind of unrealistic targets. Yeah. Um, that's probably kind of that's probably one thing actually why I, I kind of like Hades probably a little bit more than uh, what I thought it was because I followed. Um, watching the no clip documentary on them, they were like proper. Like, there's going to be no crunch if we have to, you know, if we have to set some things back. Like, this update can't come out this weekend, right? We'll push it back and it'll come out when it's ready. Um, and I think and a lot of developers could look at um, Supergiant and take a lot of lessons learned from how they handle kind of developing games and when's the right time to announce when the game should be ready and not. Yeah, and that was received all right, weren't it? Yeah, just a bit. Just just a bit. <laughs> well, now you brought it up, speaking of Hades, uh, it has been rated in Korea for PS4. Mm. So it looks like a port might be on the way. Yeah, because mm. they brought it out as a physical release for the Switch, didn't they? So you've got to think that it would would be too difficult to pull that over to Xbox and PlayStation, which is good. I think it was inevitable, but that's, that's going to be an interesting one. Finally get on that at some point. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been playing it recently, so I'll get onto that a bit later in the podcast. But um, yeah, I think the more people that can play it and that can appreciate these kind of games, then the better. Moving on a little slightly, uh, kind of bring the news background to Sony. Um, they revealed that the DualSense controller is getting two new colours. Yeah. Uh, don't know if you saw this. Um, Snazzy. Mm, very fancy trailer for it as well. Um, so the two colours that they announced uh, was Midnight Black, which I'm sure will probably be the more popular colour for people because everyone loves their full-on black controllers and consoles because they look quite nice to their whole setup that they've probably got. Um, and then the other colour, which I actually thought was the better colour for me, it looks a little bit I more agree. attractive to me, I... was the Cosmic Red. Yeah. It's, it's, a bit like a... it's not like a straight-up red, is it? It's kind no, of it's not like a bright red, red or like in-your-face. It, it's very... It's got like a soul uh, hue to it. Yeah. Um, but it looks really nice. I really like to look at the red one. Oh. But uh, the red one is $5 more expensive than the black one for reasons. Really? Yeah. I'm intrigued. And they'll release on June the 11th. Yeah. You can... Pr- is it June the 11th? Or have I done? Ooh. Interestingly, really? I've got 18th of June for the UK. 18th of June? Oh, for the UK, maybe. Right, okay. Yeah. Maybe later, as just, always. Uh... Yeah, a week <laughs> later. I Mine is based off the US, so I don't know. Ah, right, yeah, so I'm just on uh, game.co.uk and pre-order them, uh, release date is on the 18th of June, and yes, £5 more expensive than the mm. black one. Why? Why? Why Why is yeah. this? What? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think it probably just costs a little bit more to just use the paint, the Yeah, cost the paint a little bit, a little bit more extra, maybe? Rather than just having one colour. Yes. I, I personally, I like the black one. It's just sleek. The black one's nice. I'm not saying the black oh, one's like not nice. They do look nice. I think the red's just like, it's a little more... A bit more striking. Yeah, it got some more going with. Hmm. It's a bit different, isn't it? Now they yeah. just need to start making faceplates, don't they? For the console. Yeah. Get well, there's some that you can um, buy online for like £25. No, I think... <laughs> so they can take the, uh, like the white bits off and then slap some black on there. Um, to be honest, I think I might buy one at some point because it does look a bit out of place like with the black and the white contrast to everything else that I've got on my entertainment stand. So. I mean, you can't blame third-party manufacturers for making them. Cause the oh, no. Sony would be, be slow on the uptake of this. Well, they'd be slow on a lot of things. Slow, slow in getting consoles out, slow in um, making faceplates. Speaking of the game consoles out, uh, they've come out and said that it might be a struggle to supply the demand for PS5 through 2022. Yeah, um, so the CFO um, came out, I'm not going to butcher his name, um, and he told investors that he doesn't think demand is calming down this year, uh, even if we secure a lot more devices and produce many more units of the PS5 next year, our supply wouldn't be able to catch up with the demand. Mm. Speaking of that, I... I had read somewhere that they are going to, they're going to be redesigning the, like, the PS5 in somewhere, I think. Like, they're going to be using some sort of kind of new new chip instead. 
I think, to help with the supply and stuff. Like, they're not. It's not like a whole brand new design for PS5. It's not like a. This is the PS5 Pro or something. It's just a. They redesigned it slightly so they'll help with supply or something like that. Like nothing internal is going to be upgraded or whatnot, but they're going to. They're changing like use of certain chips or something like that. I think. I have to see if I can find the article at some point, but I read it somewhere. Yeah, I heard that they were coming out with a in air quotes a new console. Um, mm. New console. Hmm. But it just seems like they're changing a few internals. But I mean, if you can get the same performance out of it and it puts it in more players' hands, then yeah, why not? Yeah, I think that's what they were doing. Because they need to do something. I mean, even now, it's still notoriously difficult to get older one. In terms of like people scalping it, you don't see as much anymore now. Well, I don't see it anyway. Like, well, not, you not like, now, would you? Not like you <laughs> was say, like I don't, I don't see it because of the phone anymore. <laughs> Because I used to see like posts all over Facebook all the time about people yeah. selling PS5s for 800, 900 pounds. But I don't see that very much anymore. I don't know whether that's the social stigma of people not posting it online anymore and they're using different marketplaces. But it's just what I've noticed. In the continuing battle between Epic and Apple, it's been revealed that Sony is charging people for crossplay. Mm, I read about this. This was a bit surprising when I saw this because apparently they did they disliked the idea of it so much because they thought they were going to be losing revenue like people going on other platforms so they need to use this like revenue share system I'm not going to even try and explain it because it's some complicated yeah algorithm thing but basically if there's a certain percentage of players who aren't on PlayStation then they get like share the revenue from the developers <laughs> or publishers or something like that from, yeah, so from how from how I read it, something like that. If they, I think it's eighty five percent. I think I think yeah, something like if a number of users aren't buying in game items on when it's yeah. cross playing, if they if the revenue that PlayStation make isn't above of like eighty five percent or above, then they charge the like publishers like a, a certain amount each year if they don't get like that amount of revenue, which seems crazy to me i mean i think i read it was like it was it's playstation's way of an incentive incentivizing players to play the playstation version over yeah any other version that could do the crossplay. that just seems mental that like playstations do that but not you know not xbox not switch it does seem to add to that stigma early on that like playstation really didn't like the idea of crossplay when everyone else was like up for it um, I think it was like they got some internal documents as well. Um, I think from um, a higher up at, at that point when I think it was like in 2018 or something. They like they made a comment of something like, "Why would we do this if it doesn't benefit PlayStation? Like, what do we get out of it? Um, like, why would Bear we want experience for your players? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but if we don't make profits the for them, then you know it's all about the money." <laughs> It's just strange. It's it's funny that like this uh, fully supports the idea that Sony would just like absolutely not want to do crossplay at all. And you know when everyone was coming out saying, "Oh, it's all Sony, it's Dan Sony for getting the crossplay on our games," it's crazy. Yeah, it's a bit backwards, isn't it? Hmm. I mean, thankfully they did do kind of a one eighty and 
we do now have crossplay on quite a good amount of games. I was going to say, um, I think this, I think this was taken from 2019. This document thing. So mm. whether it's changed, I don't know. Yeah, that was it. It was the former CEO of Sony Online Entertainment, which made the um, made the comment that it was Sony's refused to take part had been all just due to um, earnings and stuff. So. Yeah, it's just well, <laughs> are we all really surprised <laughs> that companies want to make money? Well, do Sony need it a bit more than Nintendo or Microsoft do? The money? Yes. Well, definitely more than Microsoft. Maybe this is the thing. They've just got money, money, money. They yeah, but Nintendo's got like massive cash reserves as well. Like, yeah, ridiculous amount. Like, they they are actually have a lot of money in Nintendo. They just refuse to actually use it. <laughs> um. So. But is it because of things like this that keeps them ahead of the game, Sony? Or would they fall behind if they did, if they weren't trying for this kind of thing? Because they're trying to find the revenue more. Than True, they do. It does seem like they need to find some way of like monetizing things that will benefit them and their players in the future. I suppose. I mean, I don't agree with it, but I'm just saying. I think yeah. No. I can. Yeah. I can see why Sony did it. I understand it um, from a business point of view. But obviously, as a consumer point of view, um, not yeah. happy. <laughs> not happy. I've got one more thing about Sony. They have, patent, they have patented a system for shadow banning PlayStation VR. Uh, this is a uh, article on Game Run. Uh, just some excerpts from it. It says, Sony has taken steps to patent a system for shadow banning players utilising the PlayStation VR. Shadow banning, as it is typically defined, is being banned without immediately knowing the reason or cause. A general reason is given for the bad afterward. The players are either limited or completely removed from the gaming experience. Sony goes on to describe how the technology will handle shadow bannable offences, detecting different types of movements and gestures, mm. as well as detecting how close a player is to another. Different factors will also play out for players as they will get ratings based upon actions such as language or inappropriate touching, such as groping. For each action, that can add up to a shadow ban. A numerical score will be added to a player's total rating. Once the score has exceeded the safety threshold, a shadow bank signal will be sent to remove the player. What make of that then? Mm. Virtual sexual harassment bans, mm. by the sounds of it. I mean, this does sound like going to be with new PSVR, they're going to be doing some sort of social mm. aspects, surely. Because otherwise, yeah. why would you have that? Because mm. uh... I know there's a um, rec room, isn't there? Which is sort of like a social thing. And I think there's murmuring that it might be a, a like a VR, you know, PlayStation Home. You used to. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'd like to see a VR version of that. Um, oh, not sure. Not sure what to make of it because like a lot of it, a lot of it sounds positive. That like obviously we don't. If things do start becoming more social and you've got like a VR version of Home, then you don't kind of want to go on and start seeing one character starting to kind of. Twerking another movements, yeah. Oh, twerking probably less offensive, but like actual like virtually groping a, another character's avatar is obviously no, no. Shouldn't be doing that. Um, I also don't understand like context. Like, that's the thing. But that's it. How it's like I could imagine. I I can imagine. I don't want to say the word because I actually hate the word, but I can imagine. Influencers making, uh, yeah, uh, making 
certain content that is adult based in VR that could be funny. It's the whole context. Like, what do you do there? Do you know what I mean? Like, if they're like, you know, one one person's making content to help someone feel excited. The PG way of trying to get around that. (laughs) Uh, But they're making content and it's, you know, it's just two friends just having a laugh. But it's like, in that content, would one of them get banned because they've done certain movements? Yeah, that's basically what this is, isn't it? It's like, you know, how, how far do you take, like, how far do you take it? And I suppose in a way, it's one of those, if, if they ban it all, like, if they ban that, any kind of stuff, I suppose that's fine. But it's, it's, it's all about context and, like, what's actually, how do you define what's correct context, what's obviously yeah. a bad yeah. because it's automated it can't distinguish well, this is it but i mean it's i could have to virtual social distance now aren't we yeah, yeah. Doing it in real life now <laughs> yeah, it virtual life. stay pieces, away please. from all the other players <laughs> I, I don't know how it work. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see like some sort of example of like how they could get it to work but yeah i think that it needs to be some sort of... That'd be hilarious if this shows you an example and then the example got shadow banned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doing a live example gets banned. Did anybody hear about what happened at McDonald's on Friday? Well, not McDonald's what, in general, but a, a McDonald's branch, yeah? No, but I don't have McDonald's was this, Where was this branch? <laughs> uh, well, the, we don't know where the branch was. Um, but... Um, as um, people that want to get food went to the drive-through, they saw a very um, well. They saw a, oh, a sign. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking oh, about. I know what you're talking about. They saw yeah. a sign. Okay. okay. A sign. Okay. And a sign. And the sign read as the following: "We are short-staffed. Please be patient with the staff who did show up. Thanks to a giant vampire wife, nobody wants to work anymore. Thank you, management." So uh, yeah. it seems like oh, okay, yeah. Evil Village of uh, causing McDonald's staff to stay home and play that rather than go to the shift. <laughs> I just like how they call her a giant vampire wife. Right. Have you heard about Ubisoft? No, no. What about them? <laughs> they said that they're going to change strategy and we'll start focusing on more high end free to play games. Now, don't like that. You, you lost me at free to play. Yeah. Yeah, free to start games. That's what they are, not mm-hmm. free to play. Yeah, got to get the macro transactions in there. But apparently, it's going to be like inclusive of all their IPs, free to play games based on like Far Cry, Assassin's Creed. This is really this is a shame because I've been on a bit of a Ubisoft hype train recently with like Immortals: Phoenix Rising and uh, Watch Dogs and stuff like that. Mm. Speaking of Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs Legion. Is going to get a 60 frame per second update in the next patch, which is typical after I've completed the game. <laughs> so, thanks, Ubisoft. Thanks Lucky mate. for that. Lucky to be honest, when I've been playing it, I have seen like it be a bit juddery at times, so I'm well happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of oh. Ubisoft, actually, the infamous Skull and Bones game been delayed further now, again. Again. Uh, yeah. Again. Yeah, I think this is the third time it's been delayed. I'm not I sure. Think it's the, I think it's the fourth. Is it the fourth? It could be the fourth, because I think it was, uh, well, 
it was revealed at E3 in 2017. It was meant yes. to come out in 2018. Yeah. And it got delayed. And every, every year, it's been subsequently delayed <laughs> to the yeah. next year. Yeah. So uh, they're expecting. Well, we're expecting it now to be out uh, sometime in the 2022-23 financial year. But with the sounds of it, they've actually changed scope on what they actually wanted the game to be. Because I think it was just. I don't know what it was going to be originally. Like some sort of. It looked kind of MMO esque. Yeah, I saw it was a um, kind of... Yeah, but I think they've they've changed it now to make it more of a, a, a like I said, like a live service, um, persistent world changing is this, type is of this game. Going on to the what we just discussed, a new high end free to play game. Well, never know. <laughs> never know. Well, we do know. Probably will. Yeah. <laughs> no. It it just looks like a bit of a more advanced version of Sea of Thieves, from what I can see here. Well, no, they've just taken the uh, ship combat out of Assassin's Creed. Yeah, like, that's what I, I was going to be. I don't why it's taken so long. Well, if they had a lot of the, like, sure. the back-end stuff there that they were going to rip from Black Flag, then... Something's going on, that's for sure. Something's going wrong behind the scenes. Maybe well, they're just having trouble like finding what they actually want to do with the game. But it goes to show well, that. you think they would have done this four years ago when they started. Right, what do we want this to be? And then they put the roadmap out, and then they well, go and do yeah. the roadmap. Well, the thing is, it was, it was designed in one way, and then, like, at one point, like, live service games got way too popular. So they probably kind of saw that. It was like, oh, we could probably do this with this game now. And maybe they're changing again. Maybe because, like, live service games are now starting to tank a little. <laughs> Good. Good. Can't argue. Well, it just goes to show that you shouldn't be announcing games so early. Well, that's it's the 2017, and we've still not got it. I mean, it's, it's not quite Duke Nukem Forever levels of shouldn't have announced this. <laughs> no, that shouldn't have made this. Yeah, not true. <laughs> I wish the end. I'm, I'm just trying to think about this from a developer's point of view. It's got to be annoying for you to write a game to be played in a certain way and then the higher-ups just say we're not doing that anymore and like a year's worth of your work has been for nothing in effect I mean, it's got to be really demoralizing on their point of view from their point of view i actually just brought up something uh, i don't think about because like they did recently went through like a kind of a restructure didn't they because uh, the allegations from certain higher-ups that were in the company mm. wonder if that's had any effect on the game potentially I won't think that would have changed the direction of the game itself, though. Yeah, no, possibly, yeah. Like it, I mean, it didn't change any... Yeah. Mm. I mean, it didn't change any, any of their other games at that time, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I'm sure we'll see it when it eventually yeah, maybe, comes maybe, of course. Pandemic. Yeah, there was that. A little, I suppose, cult classic uh, game, at least for me, personally... Um, is getting a re-release on all kind of modern consoles now. Um, so LucasArts Zombies Ate My Neighbours, uh, which I absolutely loved. I loved it when I originally played it. I think I played it on the Sega Mega Drive years ago. Uh, that and it's, which I didn't know, a uh, very lesser-known sequel, uh, Ghoul's, Ghoul Patrol. 
I was about to say Ghost Squad then. Uh, <laughs> Ghost Patrol is getting uh, a re-release on the 29th of June for Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Uh, it's, both games are going to come in bundle. Um, so the digital version is going to cost, according to what I found, 11 quid. Uh, which sounds like a pretty good deal for both games. Um, and I know it's going to get a physical release later in the year. Um, but I obviously loved this game. It was, it was, I adored it. It was, it was like tongue in cheek take on like zombies and stuff, which I actually didn't know. There's in the, I think in the US version, there was a enemy type that would use like a chainsaw, but in Europe it was censored, so he'd use an axe instead. Not that that would make much of a difference. Yeah, I don't know why it was, there was a difference. Like, oh, one's chainsaw, that's worse. The Kim and X. Like, what? Such a weird change. Like, oh, yeah. you can't kill people with chainsaws, but it's yeah. an axe to hack somebody to death with. It's a weird thing, but um, I'm looking forward to them when they come out. So can't wait for that. Uh, my last piece, my last piece. <laughs> don't know where that came from. Like peace, peace, peace. <laughs> uh, of news uh, contains Village, uh, Resident Evil Village, um, but not in a good light, unfortunately. Um, so, a filmmaker, a Dutch filmmaker, Richard Raphost, has come out and accused Capcom of copying a monster sign from his film Frankenstein's Army that he made in 2013. I I don't know if I can I can talk about the edge monster design because it is sort of spoilers for Resident Evil Village, but the actual mon- monster in question, the, I can see the, sim- uh, the similarities um, yeah. from the, the screenshots that he took on a LinkedIn. He put this all on like a LinkedIn post he did, and like he took screenshots from his monster design in the film, and then a couple of screenshots from the game, and they are they are fairly close like there's some differences here and there but for the for the majority it's um it's pretty close and then like there's a there's a follow-up twitter post from someone who were like oh look at these look at some of the other like monster signs you had in your film compared to what's like in the game and i don't think there's quite as close like some are a little okay i could i can sort of see it but not not to the extent of the the original kind of accusation. So um, I don't know if they, I don't know if he can do anything because he he doesn't actually own the the designs anymore. I think it's the film studio now that has them. But whether anything kind of comes out of it or not, I'm not sure. But well, in that case, it's if the studio wants to pursue it then now. Yeah, um, but it kind of makes me want to see the film actually now because it sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like seeing the the designs and like oh this better be a pretty decent horror <laughs> uh but it's a shame it's um it's not quite what activision did um early in the year with one of the operatives yeah because uh, it's literally the same person but you, you can see the where the inspiration has come from from the design i got one final thing probably a bit more positive good for the future maybe so marcus smith who was the creative director at Insomnia Games, was asked in an interview about a potential follow-up to Sunset Overdrive. Ooh. And he said this. I mean, never say never is my approach. Obviously, we're part of Sony now. 
but we own the IP. And so there's nothing really stopping us other than we are that we have a lot of really exciting things in our future. I think there are a lot of stories that can be told in that universe, and I would love to return to it. I had a lot of fun making that game. I heard about this, and you've got to think they'd probably be looking to re-release the first Sunset Overdrive on PlayStation first, just to try and get that demographic don't invested. Know, maybe. Don't know if they can, sure. Maybe the first game they have restrictions. Yeah, they might do. Yeah. I mean, it did come out on PC, didn't it? Um, last year, I think it was. But you never know. Yeah, yeah. It says a sequel. Give me, please. Mm. Didn't that win out top of the pod for it, the Xbox? It did. Yeah. It did, yeah. Such a fun, wacky game. Yeah, more of that. It was a great game. I, I, I wish I completed it. I might I may need to go back at some point. And that's it for the news. Yeah, sure. What are we currently playing? Shall I start? Yes, what are you currently playing? Okay. Well, I think, Nathan, this is a game that you recently bought, judging by a post you put on the gram. Mm Mm-hmm. On the The gram. gram. And that's Titanfall 2. Now, have you played this yet? Yeah, I've actually actually been playing it. Um, I'm probably about three hours or so in, so far, um, to the campaign. Okay. Well, this is, this is the only game I've played, so mm-hmm. I'm going to have to talk about it quite extensively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. So this is a first-person shooter, which takes place during a war between the Frontier Militia and the Interstellar Manufacturing Corporation, known as the IMC. And in this war, uh, there were, like, legendary soldiers uh, known as pilots, 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 who are infamous <laughs> because of their close affinity with the use of what are known as titans. Uh, so these are like large, controllable, armoured AI mech things. Yep. Uh, and pilots have like a neural connection to their Titan, which makes them like incredibly effective together in battle, and which is why they're regarded so highly. And uh, you play this lonely rifleman called Jack Cooper, and because of reasons, uh, he gets ends up getting command of one of these Titans called BT-7274. And together you set about trying to complete a mission BT was on, uh, an attempt to stop the launch of a super weapon. Uh, in terms of gameplay, I really like the dynamic of it. Uh, so it's like mm. half of it takes place on four, and the other's like when you're inside BT, mm. so yeah. controlling this Titan. And I like that different dimension, and you can get out of BT like during battle, can't you? I mean, have yeah. you both played? Have you played this too, Mark? Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think I got away. Initially came out, but certainly sort of sometime afterwards I got it. Um, so like I think on, foot, got on Xbox. Yeah, so on foot it's like straight up gunplay as as you would expect, which feels really yeah. good. That that you know it feels really good, and they have these things like war running. Now if this was like normal Call of Duty, I think that would have irritated me, but I think it works really well in this. And the level design, the design of the levels just fit it perfectly. Mm. Um, and then when you're controlling BT, obviously, it's just like, you feel like such a badass. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I like how you can, like, kind of absorb the bullets and then fire it back at them. Yeah, yeah, you put that, these, like, shields. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's really good. And, like, throughout the game, you pick up, like, these different loadouts, don't you? So you see this massive glowing gun. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, I'll go pick that up. And it's <laughs> one of the very few games, because normally, like, in the first-person shooter, I'd, like, find a gun that I like. Say, oh, this this is my gun now, and you yeah. you tend to stick with it. 
But every time I came up against like with a new loadout for BT, I would always stick with that one until I found the next one. Because they all just felt so good. I think that's something the game does really well. Um, it does give you so much variety of weapons. Like even in the first bit, you know where you've got to do that, um, the tutorial. Uh, yeah. It comes down with that big massive wall of weapons. Like yeah, yeah. you want to actively go and search through what's there and then do the runs again and see how fast you can do the run to see if a certain weapon works better. Um, yeah. I don't know what oh, time yeah. you got in the um, tutorial run. I think no, not very good. The best I did was probably about 54 seconds. But. It's like the war running and the, the, what I used to love is like getting a shotgun and they'll just like leap mm. off something, slide and someone's hiding behind something and they just slide past slide you. Slide around the corner. Yeah. And what I really loved is the fact that when you left BT, he didn't just like sit there, there waiting yeah. for you to return. Mm. He like continued with the battle and it made it feel like it was a living thing. Yeah. Which I really loved. Hmm. And I like the um, you have like whilst you're walking around, he's like in communication with you, isn't it? And then you yeah. get dialogue choices. So then you end up, yeah, yeah, that really surprised me when that first came up. I'm like, oh, what am I, what am I going to say here? Yeah, it's like I don't think it affects gameplay or anything, but it it, it shows you like it develops the personalities, doesn't it? Hmm. Of BT, yeah. which is what I really like. I really like that that developing bond between you and BT. Hmm. And so I was. Really so well done. Yeah, so so fun. Engaging characters, enjoyable story. I'm going to give you big words now. In terms of a single-player campaign, I think this might be my favourite first-person shooter ever. Wow. Very high praise. I loved it. Mm. Absolutely loved it. I can't think of anything that I've had as much fun with in terms of a first-person shooter. None of the, none of the Call of Duty's I don't think have come close. I don't think there was one bad spell in the entire game. I think it's just got a great mix. And I like the um, fact that you're on a different planet as well, so you can like look at the creatures that are there and yeah. just the atmosphere, because it's not Earth. And I think that just adds to it that it's just a different planet and that it's got its own ecosystem and you've got your relationship with your Titan, and hmm. it just it just gives it that extra level of depth that I don't think you get in like your Call of Duties, for example. And it's a good length. It's about six, seven hours long. It's like for me, that's that's the perfect length for a first-person shooter. I don't think, I certainly don't think a first-person shooter should be hitting like double digits. Short, sharp bursts of action, really good, really engaging. Give me Titan Four Three. What uh, console did you get it on? Xbox. Xbox. Well, ah. well, Xbox One, but not playing it on the Series X. Yeah. yeah. I have to do some uh, multiplayer at some point. Mm. There you go. Because uh, yeah, I know the first one was like exclusive multiplayer, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think this has been quite, under, well, not underrated, because everyone says it's, it's, it's great, but it just it released at such a bad time, isn't it? Because this release was uh, switched yeah. between Battlefield and Call of Duty. Yeah, Year. I think like, it yeah. was. It's just like, what were you yeah, thinking? I can't recall which Call of Duty it was, but I think it was Battlefield 1 had come out afterwards, after Titanfall 2. Well, no, because, well, I know it was Battlefield, Titanfall, Call of Duty. I know that was the order, but I don't know. Was which. that the order? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I can't remember which I'm one. pretty sure it was Battlefield 1. Yeah, it probably was. But it's just like, why, EA? Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Silly thing to do. Another, another one of your games. <laughs> yeah, anyway. But, yeah, Titanfall 3. 
give me and it's respawn, isn't it? And obviously, I played uh, well, those are what I Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order earlier yeah. on, which was magnificent. Respawn, really good. Yay! Do not destroy them. Well, hopefully not. I mean, they were the the original Infinity Wards that made yeah arguably the best Call of Duty, so you can see where yeah. where the pedigrees come from. So, but that's all I've played. Go on, Matthew. What have you been doing? Well, I, I could probably I could probably guess one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been doing I've been doing a little bit of a uh, new Pokemon Snap again, continuing that along. I do I do like I do like what this new game does compared to the original, where like each each area um, has sort of like a sort of like levels to it. So like uh, say like the beginning area level one you'll see uh you know number of amount of pokemon uh in your route as you go through and then you do that and then when you level up the area so the next time you go through uh certain pokemon might be doing different things or they might be somewhere else or you'll suddenly get sort of new pokemon appearing in areas um or you can start unlocking kind of different routes as well that you're um zero vehicle kind of goes through i really like that it's had a lot more depth to 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 like the original game um and just seeing just seeing like pokemon in like natural habitats doing their things just such a joy and just like puts a smile on my face it's just such a nice fun game to play um definitely reckon probably a game you should get if you do get a switch mod I was just going to say, do you think the next time you play like one of the mainline Pokemon games, you'll feel a bit differently about watching them fight each other now you've seen them in the natural habitat? Um, no, I, I don't think I will, because it's just like the main main title games, there's a lot of complexity, um, not complexity to them, but it's just a different thing, like... I mean, you look at it now, like with Sword and Shield, where like Pokemon appear in the wild now, but they're just kind of they walk around and don't really do a lot. Mm. Um, it it'd be hard to kind of do it'd be it'd be hard to do what new Pokemon Snap does in a main line game because you'd have there'd be so much things going to think on. about, There's so much mm. things, yeah, be too much going on. Um, you gotta think about well, if well, if this Pokemon is doing this thing, if this Pokemon does this in the same place, what would happen? It'd be too complex, um, I think. So something like this game is just perfect for for what it does and just showing Pokemon and just being natural. Um, it's like it was, it's kind of like just watching uh, Detective Pikachu, just being able to finally see Pokemon in a realistic kind of way. It's yeah. really nice. Like a real world environment. Yeah. Apart, apart from Mr. Mime, he's just creepy. Problems. <laughs> and Ditto as well. That was a creepy one. Yeah, Ditto's creepy in that film. Um, but anyway, so I've, I've been doing a little bit of that. Um, unfortunately, I've not been doing a lot more of that because a certain game came out. Not last Friday, but Friday before. Um, day after my birthday, so it was a, it was a nice little gift. Uh, so I've been, I've been going through uh, the tall vampire lady simulator known as Resident Evil Village. Did you take time off work for that? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I read the the week. You should have put a sign up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I should have put a I should have put a sign on my uh, on my outlook uh, away due to tall giant vampire, vampire wife. Wife, yeah. <laughs> um. So, what can I say about Resident Evil Village? Um. The best I describe Village is it's almost like a tour de force of like the best of Resident Evil, because like it's. If you it's basically if you would combine what they did in Resident Evil Seven with like the first person kind of scares, um, the shooting and upgrading it a little bit, and then combine that with the probably like the craziness of Resident Evil Four, um, which is kind of regarded as like the best in the series. So um, so you kind of got stuff like you've got. Um, an inventory system similar to four where you've got this massive kind of attache case where you can manage your items your weapons stuff like that um and the the, the first the first hour is is a bit crazy it's it's the point where it's like you've you won't have enough uh resources to really survive you kind of just got to gun and run basically but after kind of that hour, kind of once you get into um, once you get into the castle, the game really opens up, um, and it just kind of keeps on hitting stride after stride, basically. Um, I absolutely love it. Plus, uh, there's the second kind of area that you go into is probably the scariest thing I've played in video games. Mm. Um, don't really want to spoil it. Uh, but <laughs> the best I can describe is it's Capcom's take on PT. I think I know what you're talking about. But I'm not really it, yeah, if you if you've ever kind of seen what's been happening with Village kind of after it's come out, um, you might know what I'm talking about. But it's absolutely terrifying. Like I I don't think I've played anything scarier. Um, and I've played stuff like Alien Isolation. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified just going around the corner and hearing noises. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was just such a wonderful game. Um, so, is it better than seven? Personally, I think it's better than seven. Um, I think I think seven has a better starting kind of first half to the game, um, but it suffers from kind of like what most Resident Evil games kind of suffer. The last kind of half or third. Um, you start getting overpowered and the scares kind of die down and now it's just kind of, now you're just running for everything and it's kind of easy. But this one, this one's got a much kind of stronger second half to like, okay, you are starting to get powered up, but the enemies are still difficult and there's still enough scares and enough twists and turns in the story that just, just make it a really good Resident Evil game. It's definitely one of my favourites now, I think. I might, I might have to do my own like solo top of the pods, maybe rank, start ranking Resident Evil games. <laughs> but how long is it? My my playthrough on standard difficulty finished at about eleven hours. It's not too bad then. Uh, it's 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 not too long. Um, I don't think. I think there's one area that feels a little short, and then sort of the last area feels like it might drag on a little bit, but it's not to the point of, like, being annoying or frustrating. But, like, the last kind of, I'd say, three hours go by, like, quickly. Like, you, you just start burning through wave after wave of enemies. 
um, and the last boss fight is actually quite enjoyable. I've actually really liked this one compared to Seven. Seven's got a really weak kind of final boss, um, which was unfortunate because I, it's I think Seven's still got more tension about it, and more of an atmosphere that kind of first half in the Baker's in the Baker House. Um, whereas like in Village, you kind of go through four different areas that play on different genres of horror i could best describe it like they've all got like their own kind of feel to it but they don't feel out of place do you know what i mean it's the best i can describe it but no i i, I love this game i think the, the loads of each area were have uh, got brilliant um personalities i don't know who my favorite one is probably heisenberg i think heisenberg's heisenberg is played very nicholas cage-esque <laughs> If you can imagine like a typical Nicolas Cage kind of performance. <laughs> so, but no, I, uh, yeah, I absolutely enjoyed Village and I'm just going through my second playthrough now on Hardcore, trying to get all the unlocks and, and trophies eventually. <laughs> and then, well, outside that last game that I've been playing on PC, the new one that I've bought is called Deep Rock Galactic. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. You may not have. Um, it's a it's a four player kind of co op game where you play as dwarves and you're mining through different areas to get like resources and that. But every time you do that, um, there's like waves of these bugs that kind of um, come in and annoy you. It can be quite difficult. They initially looks like my worst fear. So initially, I weren't going to get it when I saw these screenshots, but my mate kind of convinced... Well, my mate bought it for me for my birthday, so I can not play it. <laughs> it's actually not too bad. I, I don't think it was, it was as bad as what I thought it was going to be. But I'm, I'm, it's a lot of fun. You've got, like... You can have, like, different objectives um, for like, each area. So, like, some... It's all about just mining a certain amount of material as you're going through this, like, these caverns and stuff. Um, but it's in like space, so it's like there's different themes for each cannon. So the one could be like full of uh, like fungus and, and vines and stuff. Another one could be icy, just complete ice glaciers and stuff. But I'm enjoying it playing playing with my other mates on it. Um, just just a lot of good fun. Plus the dwarves are just just funny as hell. <laughs> but yeah, that's what that's what I've been playing. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, so. I uh, purchased a game about six weeks ago, and it finally arrived uh, last week. Uh, and this this is a game that we spoke a little bit about earlier. It's Hades, so I've been starting to play that. Um, really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought, because it's not really... Um, it's not something I think would be my type of game, mm. but it is really accessible, um, I think. So um, you play as Zagreus, the prince of the underworld. And basically, the basic premise of the game is that you fight your way through waves of rooms of enemies. So um, the enemies are really well varied. Um, so it could be mm. like floating skulls that will come and like speed into you. You've got your bigger enemies with like clubs and things. You've got these crystals that shoot lasers. So it can get quite hectic when there's a few different types of enemies coming. Um but I think to combat that, you do get a 
pretty decent range of weapons you can use. So um, basically, before you go into the underworld to try and escape, because that's pretty much the premise, um, there is a story behind it that I've started to get into, um, but I'll get to that bit. So when, on my first playthrough, I picked a weapon. The only weapon that I could use was this sword. And then I went into the underworld, and um, as I got there, I saw this like glowing orb on the floor, and I clicked to accept it. And um, it was one of the gods, gods from Olympus, and they gave me a gift. And as you go into different rooms, different gods will speak to you and give you gifts because they want to try to help you get out of Hades, in effect, of, out of the underworld. And, yeah, I mean, I've only got to, like, the 15th room. I don't know how many the more there is. I'm probably quite early in on how many rooms you've got to get through because I'm not amazed at the game yet. There are certain rooms <laughs> that I've like, mastered now because um, there's, like, mini-bosses that I think you'd you get to and then... I'm losing against the first, like, kind of main boss called Meg. Um, mm. She's proving difficult, but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, it's quite addictive because um, basically every time you die, you go back to the beginning and you can use all the loot that you got from um, fighting these rooms to, like, unlock new weapons, give gifts to people to, like, raise your... Um, it's like... Affinity. Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say raise your love, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, with them people. Um, and there were a point where I was like, is this it? Is this all there is? And I was a bit, what? Oh. Uh, no, there's a noise that happened. It sounded like a cow or something. It's <laughs> just mood. Oh, right, a cow. <laughs> it was a cow. <laughs> don't know why, it's just laughing. Sorry, there, go on. There was a bit where I thought, is this it? Like, because to me, it got a little bit boring. Like, I'm collecting these orbs, I'm speaking to these gods, and this is, is this all there is to it? What's all this hype about? And funnily enough, I went into my chamber, and I decided to go and try and rest, and I wasn't able to rest until this point for some reason. I don't know why. I must have done something to unlock the option to rest, but Mm. basically I rested, and I had this, like, dream, and I found out a bit about my, my mother, and that kind of pushed the story along and got me like, right, my mother's not in hell anymore. Where is she? What's happened? Um, There's this character that you see called Nyx and you think she might be a mum, but it turns out that she's not. Um, And it's, yeah, it's quite gripping now um, because at that point, I think I'd tried, I I was a good 20 playthroughs through. and It was getting a bit tiresome, like doing the same thing, losing to the same boss, which is my own fault because, I'm just not good enough to beat her yet. But, um, yeah, it's starting to get good now. Um, I'm enjoying it. I think the combat's good because you can use light attacks, heavy attacks, and you, you got, you've got, like, a speed bolt you can use, um, and then you can, like, kind of use that with attacks as well um, to power them up. Um, and I'm starting to use my gifts that I get from the gods a bit more effectively now um, in certain situations. Um, I've gone into this like underworld place where you find this like creature. Um, in order to get to this like underworld area, you've got to give a bit of your health, uh, which is a bit annoying. But yeah, I'm interested to see where that goes because I've started to kind of trust him more than I trust the Olympian gods because, um, yeah, they can't be trusted when it comes to history. 
Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I mean, it is quite gripping. It's it's quite addictive because the playthroughs are that quick. You can just get straight back into it, and it's not as if when you die you lose. You always get a piece of information or just something that you can carry into the next playthrough that'll help you try and um, get to the next stage. Yeah, and I know you've played this quite a lot, Matt, and you really enjoy it. What what do you what did you think early on? Because I'm I'm probably only about two and a half three hours into it. Did you have any other thoughts that I did when I first started playing it? Like what basically what's going on? Because um yeah, uh, I think initially when you first start, you kind of you kind of you're thrown straight into kind of like the the kind of like your first run of like um, trying to get out of I suppose the the underworld I suppose it's. And then you, I, I don't know how far you can actually get through your first proper run. Like, I think it assumes that you will have to eventually die because you're way too weak at that point. But I, I got hooked kind of straight away with it, really, because of the whole story of like, okay, so Zagreus is trying to get out of the underworld and Hades um, doesn't want him to, but he's not really stopping him. So it's like, oh, so like, I wonder why he's trying to get out. And I think it took, I think it took me probably sooner to get to that sleep. Um, cutscene that you got because I think I how did I trigger it I feel like I triggered it once I finally beat Meg for the first time I think right and I didn't get any any further in the the second sort of world into it but once once I had like the sleep and like you start to find out oh um Tegris is trying to get out because his mom's left for reasons Hades isn't being cooperative but like I think it's just like finding all the little stories each time you die. Like you find out a little bit more about each each of the characters' kind of um, motives in wanting Zagreus to kind of leave, and like who who's who's helping you, who's doing it for personal reasons, who's actually doing it because they care. It was interesting when I, when I first met um, Chaos, who's the one mm. in the yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the actual place is. It's called. like a void world or something. Yeah, I think it's like the void. And you find chaos, and you like you, you figure out like oh he's someone who created everything, but he's suddenly interested in Zagreus trying to get out as well, but telling you not to trust the Olympic uh, the Olympic gods either, even though like everyone else is. Um, but I just got addicted. I think I think the gameplay um, there's enough there for it to for I think new people to casually get into and start mastering it, and I think. And like I said, uh, eventually you'll start picking up um, gifts from the gods that more cater towards your kind of play style or would actually help you better rather than just picking random ones. Mm. But I absolutely, I absolutely adore the story. I, I really love it from, from where I've gone to. Because when I stopped playing, I got to I got to the second time of getting to right at the end but the last boss. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I can't beat them. They're too annoying. <laughs> and I think I might. I've, I need to start um, experimenting with other weapons and, and different powers to them. But no, I absolutely love it. I really love how much the game keeps on opening once you get through more of it and more of it. And you think at some point it, it like must stop. Like there can't be anything more that you'll find. And then suddenly you'll find even more once you get past, like say, a boss that finally annoys you, you finally get to the next area, something more happens. It's like, oh god, how much more can this game throw at me? <laughs> no, I, I I really love it. Um I obviously adore Hades. 
I just think it's, I think for me personally, I think it's actually stole game of the year for when it came out. Wow. Well, I click keep playing then. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it is really good. I'm enjoying it. I'm really happy that I got to that point that I could get that um, like kind of a cutscene style thing to push the story on. Otherwise, yeah. I think I might have dropped off um, fairly soon after that. So, yeah, but I'll keep keep plowing through and see if I can finally beat Meg. I have got um, I God mode switched on, so every time I die, um, I get basically I get a bit of a stat boost. So eventually, if I do badly enough, I'll I'll be able to beat her. Um, yeah. So bar that, <clears throat> I've been playing more House Flipper. So mm-hmm. I've uh, got to the point now where I've started doing up full houses and flipping them. Um, so that's been fun. Um, so I've flipped two houses so far. And um, I just really uh, love the negotiation side of it as well. So basically you buy a house and inside it's absolutely ransacked. So you've just got to use your broom to clean up things. You've got to repaint it, buy new furniture, sell furniture to recoup money back, um, do like the... Um, fit you got to fit radiators and all that kind of stuff everything yeah. you do like generally to build the house up mm. and clean like outside in space so it all looks good yeah i mean i had in my first house build uh, well my first house sale i had a bit of a mishap so oh. basically what happened here was um, there's like this gun you can use to like sell things in the house and i was using it to sell a few knickknacks um so it's like a scanner really and when you scan something <laughs> you can yeah. choose to sell it. Yeah. Um, and I accidentally sold a desk that I wanted to keep. And then I went into the shop area. And I'm like, oh, this desk looks nice. I'll buy that. It looks fairly cheap. Bought it, and it was a kid's desk. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, honestly, it was so tiny. I'm like, this this won't do. So I had to sell the kid's desk and buy another one. Nice, um, yeah. So that that was quite funny. I'm like, is it shrank? What's going on? Um <laughs> But yeah, so after I did that, my first house up, then um, I put it up on the market and we went into like a negotiation process. So when you put a house on the market, you can see a few people that are looking to buy it and uh, what they've offered for the house. Mm. Um, and it also tells you uh, a few things that you can do to the house to make it more saleable to that buyer. So this certain person wanted uh, like an office space. So he wants like a desk and a chair and like a filing cabinet, for example. And he would then pay a little bit more for it. Um, but after that, you can kind of go back to the buyer and say, you can have the house, but I want a little bit more over asking price. And then they can mull it over and then they can either accept or reject the offer. So I liked that like negotiation um, between them asking for certain bits to be done in the property. And, um, and you see how much you could swindle out of them, basically. Um, so that was fun. Um, I've also started um, like renovating my office. So when you first start the game, you get like an office space. And it's got like a kitchenette, um, a toilet and a bed, basically. And then that's how you start the game with like pretty much a shack that's just run down and horrible. But yeah. since the sale of my house, I've got a bit of money. I'm feeling a bit flush. So it's like, right, I'll, I'll buy a new door, buy a new kitchenette and actually get a radiator in this place because I don't want to die of cold. Um, I've made all the outside nice, so I've cleaned it all up and repainted it. Um, bought myself a couple of trophies, so it looks nice if anyone wants to come over. 
yeah, so I've got a nice office space now, and um, I've just bought another house, so I'm going to get started on that. And it's just nice. It's just nice and relaxing. Um, there's no one you have to fight. There's no not no real puzzles to solve. It's just you sit back, look at a project, and say, right, what do I need to do to get this in the best possible shape to make some fake money? <laughs> so, and then I've been playing one more game. So. I've been on a bit of a Pokemon hype train recently. I've I've bought a ton of Pokemon games. I've bought Pokemon Platinum, Pokemon White, Pokemon Black, um, Pokemon Omega Ruby, and Pokemon Ultra Sun in like the space of about two weeks. Um, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know why, but I decided to start playing Pokemon White from scratch. So... Um, I started playing it, I got about 20 minutes in, and then I realised when I tried to save it that you can't over-save somebody's save file unless you go back to the title screen and then click a certain set of buttons to delete the old save, which I think was a bit annoying, so I wasted about 20 minutes. Um, I'm just glad that I didn't put more time into it before I tried to save, um, otherwise that would have made me even more annoyed, but anyway... Um, so I managed to delete the initial save on the file on, on the card and start my journey. So for my starter, I picked Snivy, the um, the grass Pokemon. Um, and so far, I've got two badges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a um, how can I? Snivy's like a little grass worm thing. <laughs> I don't know how to with yeah, arms. Yeah, I don't know how to best describe. It does turn into more. I'm of a, looking at it's now. more of a snake. I yeah, think. Think, think of a snake it, that stands on two. It looks like a duck that's painted like a snake. Yeah, that's snake the only duck. way I can yeah, describe. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's probably crap. <laughs> yeah, Duck's so that's, that's my starter Pokemon that I got. Um, I've got a rock and roller now, which is basically like a little rock ball thing with an eye. <laughs> and um, yeah. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, and it's making me think that we we did the fifth generation dirty in the top of the pod we did for Pokemon, because I didn't realise <laughs> what an innovation it was when you compare it to um, Diamond and Pearl and Platinum, because there is a bit of a step up there in terms of graphics. Um, so, for example, on the way to um, Castellia City, there's like a 3D effect that comes into play. Um, in between getting to the city and going over this bridge. And it just looks, it looks great, actually. And it's something that you don't really get, you didn't really get in Pokemon games until that, um, because it was just all, like, over, like over the top, like, pretty much 2D. Um, but this was kind of, like, the first, like, time I saw, like, a 3D element to Pokemon. And the city... Um, Castellia City is like bustling with people, like walking the streets and towards you as well, not just like side to side. So it just really creates that immersion. Um, but yeah, I'm, re- I'm really enjoying playing Pokemon White and yeah, just looking forward to playing more of that and getting through it. And maybe we should re-record that again at some point. <laughs> I, I think would, I think just doing like a blog post, just going back over it might be better. <laughs> like, okay, we looked at this. Uh, we're gonna decide it's actually this that wins. <laughs> yeah, this is the new champion. Anyway, no, but yeah, it's good. But yeah, that's all I've been playing. 
Hades, Pokemon White, and House Flipper. Shall we move on to the video game Hall of Fame? Yes, we shall. Okay, so this is where we take an in-depth look at a game of high quality or historical importance and induct it into our Pantheon of Games for Field deserves special recognition. Our inductee this episode was released in 2018 for the PS4, developed by Santa Monica Studio and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. It's God of War. I'm shocked one of you didn't say boy then, but okay. I've not got the voice for it, I don't want to. I got all my voice out earlier. That doesn't sound right. So what is God of War? So uh, Kratos said his young son Atreus are living uh, a life of solitude in Midgard. And following the death of Kratos' wife and Atreus' mother, they set off on a journey to fulfil her dying wish, and that is to have her ashes spread at the highest peak of the Nine Realms. What an amazing game this is. A full, complete game. Which is something yeah. <laughs> which is unheard of. Well, I have to mention that. One of the standout things that you'll notice early on is that the whole entire game is in one shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good point, actually. I don't think I recall any real loading screen. Oh, that, that's staggering. Well, definitely I for like, the graphical quality of it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, so um, in the beginning of the game, uh, we have our first boss fight, you could say, um, before you set out on the journey. So you meet Boulder. Yeah. Well, you know, he's called a stranger. Oh, the stranger. <laughs> then you eventually find out. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know why he's there or what he's doing. Yeah, it was, a bit, it was a bit sudden, wasn't it? What did you guys think when he hit Kratos in the face? Because when he did that, I was like, oh, it's going down now. You're getting snapped like a twig, little man. I mean, Kratos is a fairly big guy, and and Boulder wasn't really... I mean, when you look at him, you're like, ah, ain't going to be much of a... It's not going to be much for, for Kratos, but... I mean, as the fight kind of continues, you're like, well, this guy's just going to be a persistent... Pain in the bum. <laughs> it was quite intense, I thought. Like, definitely, like, come, because all you've done up to that point is basically carry a log up to the house, and that was about it. And then you thrust into this fight with this well, guy that you don't know. No, you got to haunted. Oh yeah, forgot about that. But yeah, <laughs> after, but yeah, after that, then it's quite early on that you get like thrust into the combat aspect of it. Yeah, and it's it's not exactly a small fight either, is it? No, it goes on for a good while. Mm. And he regenerates tri- twice, which angered me, because, as I've said before on this podcast, I don't like regenerating bosses. <laughs> yeah, but eventually, he, you, you think you get him killed, you snap his neck, and um, I think that's kind of the catalyst for where the story starts, and um, mm. you and Atreus go out on your journey to go and try and scatter Atreus's mum's ashes on the highest peak of the Nine Realms in the Land of the Giants. Atreus, you are not ready. They, they feel compelled to have to go now because obviously this person searching for them or someone's after them. So I think that's what—that's the catalyst, isn't it, for them going on the journey? Yeah. Because I feel it's unsafe now. And the fact that he, um, in the fight, he initiated a Spartan mm. Rage. Mm. The Spartan Rage. Now, I've got no history with God of War because I never played any of the previous ones. No, I haven't either. Um, I mean, I, I mean, from what I know from this game and the previous few games that came before, I mean, the actual style of it is very different from the original games. Oh, okay. the ri- original games were very uh, 
third person kind of hack and slash you know the it's, it's all about the combos and and the weapons and stuff very devil may cry-esque yeah and this is very like intimate like the camera's really close behind kratos when you're doing the fight very very different style so i think it's a a bold move to switch switch it up to this but i think it absolutely works so i think at the start like the relationship between kratos and atreus is really cold um mm. because kratos just sees atreus as like this boy <laughs> they um, doesn't really doesn't really trust um it's not got a very good relationship with because you feel that it was probably Kratos' wife that really brought Atreus up and Kratos probably didn't have too much interaction with him. It just seemed, they seem like strangers. Um, yeah. And that's the, well, that is like the main, the main piece of the game. It's like their building of their relationship from strangers yeah. to Kratos learning to trust Atreus as you go through. Yeah, the mm. fact that Kratos is constantly referring to him as boy actually says a lot. It's just like he's, he seems to be t- tough on him because he feels like compelled to do so. Like yeah. um, he has this sort of stoicism that he, he can't show sadness or what he might perceive as weakness to Atreus. And he's, mm. he's also tried to shield it or something, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that he found out later on, and then um, Atreus turns into a bit of a douche, I'll be honest. But we'll get on to that. We'll get to that a bit. Uh, there are like moments where you sort of see these cracks emerge in like Kratos's feelings towards Atreus. Yeah, there's points where you'll think he's about to say something and, and scold him, and he'll kind of hold back, or when he'll try and go to put his arm around Atreus, and he'll like kind of yeah. come away from it. Yeah, he's Just, he's kind of fighting himself in a way to yeah, what he thinks the, a dad should be. Yeah, I was thinking about the bit with the deer near the start. Yeah. Yeah, the bit of deer. He's just, that's, he's just, that's he's just put the knife in the deer. And then obviously Atreus is pretty upset about it. And Kratos is like, it looks like he's about to put his hand on his shoulder so that it's okay, but he pulls back. But the same for um, the kid as well. Because like after, after like Kratos is like, mm, maybe not. The kid kind of like does the same thing. Because like he wants, he kind of wants, like almost like the affection from him. But at the same time, it's like, he's not. He's not quite sure yet. Combat. Shall we get into combat? Leviathan yes. axe. Mm. Oh, it's got to be one of the best weapons in gaming. It, it does make you feel like... I, I see why you Amazing weapon. Love it. I just love the way you can call it back from anywhere and it just flies back into your hand and then you can just start the combo again. Yeah, I spent so long just throwing it at nothing and just recalling it. Throw it in there. And I like how it does... You can, like, whilst it's mid-air, you can still... Recall it, things like that. So just yeah. short throw, recall. Long throw, recall. Throw it into a wall, recall. <laughs> just throw it into everything, recall. <laughs> I love that how um, when it came back to your hand, it made the pad vibrate. So it really felt like yeah. mm. you were catching it. So awesome. And then there's the things that like, you throw it. And then if there's an enemy between you and the axe, it takes if, the you, enemy. if you recall it, yeah, it takes them out. Which is just really cool. Mm. God, I love that axe. And there's all like all the runes and pommels and things you can put on the axe as well. It's personalised, yeah. it, can't you? Yeah, that's it. You can find like gemstones and things to give it certain um, attributes, so it's better against different enemies and stuff. Mm. It's fantastic. And there's like all the specialist moves you unlock as well. 
Oh yeah, the runic tanks. Amazing. I mean, I, I I spent so long just like I think I mentioned this before when I first played it. Where I just stood on the bridge in the the Lake of the Nine, just going into the, the water and just recording. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I was yeah. I was hoping that well, like one time whenever I called it that'd probably just be a fishing pail. Got <laughs> <or something. laughs> a fish. Uh, you meet Brock, don't you? Yeah. Brock. Uh, so he's Brock's a dwarf. Character. Yeah, he's um. That's some questionable dialogue. In a funny way. <laughs> oh yeah, S- some unrepeatable. But yeah, he's trying to get, he's trying to go across his bridges in it with this big, lumbering beast thing who's carrying his equipment. I never found out what that that beast's species was. Was it like an ox? No, I thought you didn't. Yeah. You don't see it ever again after after that. It's just no, like, oh, you don't. Well. <laughs> it just disappears. So <laughs> yeah. hey, where did it go? <laughs> you come with the, so you find a pig, don't you? Magical pig. Mm. Ah, magical the pig, magical pig. I, I like how that like, you come across that pig and then you just never see it ever again after that, after that sequence. So obviously this is um this is where you meet Freya, isn't it? Yeah. So Freya yeah. is a witch. Yeah, witch in the woods. Yes, witch in the woods, and she lives in the turtle. Yeah, I like the turtle. That oh, was I really wish, nice, I wish wasn't it? Actually, it would have been nice if you could, like interact with it a little more. Like, let's see, uh, our Trey start start speaking to it. Or Charlie. Charlie? Oh, no, yeah, or Charlie, yeah. Uh, That's actually this, a ninja. This, is it? Yeah, because... Um, in the depths, I'm assuming. No, it's in reference to... Who was it? I think it might have been GameSpot, I think. I can't quite remember. Mm. But GameSpot did an article, and they kept referring to Atreus as Charlie. They said, oh, yeah. and Kratos' son, Charlie. Kratos. And nowhere, nobody had any idea where this had come from. Ch- Charlie, where did Charlie? So, <laughs> and I think, and then the devs just ended up putting it in there as a joke to, to call the turtle. Well, the turtle was <laughs> an interesting thing because I was listening to an interview with um, Corey Barlog, who was the oh, yeah. director. Great guy. I don't know if you've watched any interviews or anything with him. He's a really great guy. Um, I'll have to. But he was talking about how he wanted something that cool for this house, for Freya's house. Mm. Uh, I said, right, I want something like inside a creature. And at the time, they were like cutting it really tight in terms of like budget, that kind of thing. Mm. And the art director for the game went off and talked to his department and said, "We'll just talk, see what happens, and then, well, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll see what happens." But then at the time, people were freaking out because of scheduling and that kind of thing. Yeah, because it sounds like you wanted something complicated. And the art director came back and he said, "It's something." So he comes back to Corey and says, "I want to pitch this to you." But I, there's also something else that I don't want to pitch to you. So he ended up pitching what he wanted to pitch, and he's like, some of the ideas were pretty good. And then he said, right, tell me the thing that you don't want to tell me. So he did it. Obviously, it turned out to be this turtle. Mm. And it's just like, of course, Corey was like, that's the one. We've got to go. With. Now, now you've mentioned it. That's the thing we've got to go with. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> so, then idea, went, so then he went off to the, um, so Corey had to go off to the producers and had to like argue the case for it, like, to try and get it included in the game. Because producers were like having fits now, yeah. and uh, he yeah. said that he, so he, he pleaded for its inclusion and internally promised to like cut other things out of the game, but he said that he just didn't. <laughs> good. That's so good. that's the story of how the turtle appeared in there. But yeah, I like how as the turtle moves, it gives you access to certain other areas as well. I think that's a nice, mm. um, nice little gimmick. Apparently, happened, I think it only happened a few times though, wasn't it? Apparently, in um, playtests. Uh, there was a few like angry people this bit. 
because there's this one bit where Freya tells you to go outside and pick flowers. Yeah. Oh, and, some people, and some people are like, this is not God of War. You can't have Kratos going and picking flowers. Well, that's, that's games for you, isn't it? He's doing it for his son. They're trying to tenderise him. Yeah. Context. That's <laughs> right. Context. It's not like it's not like going around the entire level. Yeah, it was. Flowers, yeah. It? He went to collect one flower. It's like, come on. That's how oh, you just wait. use the Le- Leviathan axe to just chop flowers and then take take to Freya. Because then after the two hours, so after the, you've done this Freya bit, you suddenly get the compass, don't you? You eventually get the compass. So yeah, and then that takes you to the leg of the nine, doesn't it? Because you yeah. go underneath, and then you meet the World Serpent. Pretty nice dude. That was, that was yeah, yeah, cool dude. <laughs> I can't do the noise. The rowing. Did you like the boat stuff? Yeah, I liked all the stories yeah. uh, that they used to tell each other. Um, I think that really helped to like build the relationship. But I have to say, this the Lake and the Nine bit for me is where I think where really where the, the world design came to its own. I just found it staggering how they managed to do that. There's two times in the game where the water level drops. Yeah, and that yeah. opens up other areas. And just the fact that they managed to design all that so that you could still access the previous areas all at the same time. It's just, I thought it was incredible the way they managed that. It's just an mm. impeccable designed area. Mm. Just really so clever how they set that area up. And you come across Brock's brother, don't you? Sindra. Oh, eventually, yeah. 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 So, uh, I don't know, I, I, I can't remember what the exact reason behind their bust-up is because they're not exactly on good terms, are they? No, the uh, I can't remember now actually going through it. Did, um, is it not that they argued about who made the axe, the Leviathan axe? I don't think that was. The I reason. don't. I don't think that's that. That was part of the disagreement going through the game. Game is that when you meet Brock, he upgrades your axe. Then you meet Sindri, and he's like, "Oh, you he, let him touch it." Yeah, his filthy hands have touched this axe. Let me improve it, and then. By the next time you see Brock, he's like, why did you let him touch it? I'll do it. And then he, like, bangs on it once. It's improved. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, just, just, just yeah. That's it. Cool. That was it. It was like, ah, tap. Improved. What, I, what did you do exactly to improve this? <laughs> what about all this equipment you've got behind I, you? I can't use any yeah, of that. Where's all these marks the dwarves coming from? <laughs> and then they, you, uh, you start using this realm gate. What's it, what's it actually called? Is it the world tree? Travel? The world tree. The world tree is what's in the center. I don't know what the actual um, device is that moves you should along. Call, should we just call it the realm room? So basically, this is where you start using. So this is central room on this bridge that you use to travel between the realms. Call it the, the realm bridge. Uh, you use this to travel to Alfheim, don't you? That's the, I think that's the first realm. You yeah, Alfheim. The uh, the realm of the elves. Fairies or elves? Yeah. The elves. Yeah. The elves. The, so it's dark elves and light elves. Yeah, so they're currently having a war. Well, I say a war. The dark elves are pretty much blurring the light ones as you get there. Yeah. So I thought this was a quite interesting moment when you first got to this world, because you see one of the dark elves slaughtering one of the some of, one of the light elves. Yeah. And Atreus is kind of taken aback, like, "Why don't we help him?" And then Kratos says to to this effect. You don't know what's happened before, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. don't assume. In effect, don't you don't know why this is happening. Yeah. yeah. I say when when I first reached the Alpine bit, 
where you go into the open water bit and you see the big mm. structure. Yeah. That looked beautiful. The, the pink oh, yeah. It was really nice round, yeah. This is, so you, you, you can make your way through this. Is it a temple? I don't know what you call it. Uh, it's something like that, yeah. And then Kratos ends up stepping into the, the light, it? the light of Alfheim, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he, starts, he starts having these... Is it a flashback? Is it just a vision? I don't... I'm not quite sure what they were. Um, he's, he's over here in a trace, saying... He's, to, he's talking to his man, basically. Yeah, saying, oh, it should have been, he should have been here, he who died, not, not you. Yeah. And things like that. I think that starts torturing him. And then a trace ends up pulling him out, doesn't it? Yeah. And as soon as he pulls him out, he's like, why did you do that? And then suddenly you just see piles of dark elves, yeah, bodies. Yeah, piles of bodies around. Because like, he I'd was like, in there for like moments, but like a trace was yeah. out there fighting these dark elves for what seems like hours or days, yeah. maybe. Yeah, it's just and like obviously trace is going like, why don't you care? She's not making your way towards this mountain, though, yeah. You initially make your way there, but you're getting blocked by the um, the black yes. breath, don't you? So that's why you you then go to Alfine. Oh, sorry, yes, that's the, yes. Because uh, Freya's like, you need the light of. Uh, Alfheim to uh, essentially dispel the, the breath. So you, you get there, you dispel the breath, and then you're kind of making your way to the top of the mountain. Some good puzzles in the mountain. Mm, yeah. With the, the claw. <laughs> yeah, the claw. Some some tricky bits, there are, but it's, mm. uh, it's pretty good overall. Yeah, I think that's about the game, though. Is that, it's just the right level of difficulty for the puzzles, weren't it? Nothing with yeah. I mean, they're all um, they're all like location-based puzzles. So as long as you like search the entire location, then you can more than likely fairly easily work it out. There's nothing really that you have to like stand there and think about too long for. Um, it's more about finding each individual bit and putting the right pieces together to move on, basically, in your area. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, I, I think it was a really nice change of pace, like between all the combat and the dialogue, then you have this bit where you maybe slow down a bit and have that time to think about a certain puzzle. So I think in that aspect, it was it just added a bit more balance to the game. I like how you had to use the axe for certain puzzles, mm. like just freezing things to stop things moving. Then you have to record, because that's what you have to do for that one, isn't it? You have to move this box into this claw thing whilst you've frozen the... Oh, the- yeah, yeah. Climb yeah. on the box, and then uh, call the axe back, and then you yeah yeah, and then you you fly up, and then you you come uh, across a, a excellent fight, but that is dragon thing, don't you? Yeah. Oh um, yeah, that was really good. But that, that was some fight. That was really an epicness. Level. Yeah. Mm. And particularly the 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 climax of that fight, which was just extraordinary, because you're <laughs> trying to help Sindri up because Sindri's up there, isn't he? And Atreus is like, oh, we've got to help him, we've got to help him. And then, so obviously you go down, you have this fight, and then it's like, dr- drop that, because there's another one of these crane claw things up there, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. It says, oh, release this when I say so, to Atreus. And Atreus yeah. is like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> like, Atreus is just like, I do not care. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, uh, Matt, he, I think he just shoots an arrow through it. And then Atreus just claws it straight through eyeballs or something. Yeah. Something like that. So it's pretty grotesque. <laughs> but the, the end of it, where he's standing on that ledge, and then the dragon's head just comes down, and like he lands in between the teeth. Yeah, in between the, the mouth. I mean. He's just he's stood just there, like, just like yeah, cool. 
And then Sindri offers to like give him some help, doesn't he? So he's like, give me one of those dragon's teeth. So he goes, well, he starts just goes and starts Stop hacking, hacking it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing about Sindri, he's like, he's always disgusted about things, isn't he? He's like, always feeling sick. He's, he's, he's very um, squeamish. Yeah. Yes. He's not good with germs. <laughs> I was going to say, I really like this bit as well because, like, our trace is, like, absolutely overjoyed and, like, killing dragon. Crash is just like, to me, this was another Tuesday. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I, I've been doing this all my life, but our trace is, like, loving it. It's like, we're killing a dragon. <laughs> so you're carrying up, up this mountain, aren't you? And then eventually yep. you reach the summit. Mm. And this is where you meet Namir, isn't it? Namir, yeah. Well, it, the 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 path up to the top is blocked, so you're doing some sort of like um, climbing around, and you start hearing that yeah. Namir's speaking to yes. the stranger you met earlier. Yep. And two of the two of us. Yeah. Well, you'll come. We'll come to see later. But then you start to talk to, talk to Namir, and you discover you're on the wrong mountain. Well, not quite. This isn't quite the summit. This is the summit of Midgar, <laughs> but not yeah. of the Nine Realms. So Mimir has been imprisoned in this tree as a form of torture for yeah. 109 winters. But then he offers you to help him, you know, find the right place to be. Yeah. It turns yeah. out the highest yeah. one is in Jotunheim. That's the, that's the highest. And then, <laughs> I just love this bit where he's just like, now I'm going to cut off your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just natural. That's to chop his head off and then take it back to Freya. To get reanimated. Yeah. Mimir, I just think it's amazing. I think he's great. I think he adds so much. He's he's, he's got like a really good balance between Atreus and um, and Kratos, just like the comedic factor as well. I think he just balances that team out so well. It's great. And I think his accent, you know, he's like Scottish accent. Oh yeah. I think that just works <laughs> really well. You have to return to Freya. She dunks him in a pot of stuff. Comes back alive. The reasons that I can't remember, they don't like each other, do they? Freya. Um, the reasons revealed kind of later on once you know the true nature of who Freya actually is. But this I think it was... Mother. I think okay. so, yeah. Um, Freya marriage, was married to uh, Odin. Yeah, this is where you find out that Freya is actually a god. Yes. Kratos is a bit angry about this. Well, like, Are you like going to lecture people's... me about that? Yeah. Just like when uh, people keep secrets from him, but he can't really say much about keeping something from Artra. <laughs> well, uh, first you venture to this um, that snowy area, don't you? Yeah. With the, with the big this, giant corpse. This was like one of my favourite bits of the game. Oh, see the yeah, scale yeah. of that giant was absolutely it was amazing, insane. Wasn't it? I've scaling as well. It was just fantastic. Yeah, because you, you have to get part of this chisel, don't you? Mm. That's it, yeah, the chisel. So you have to make your way up it, climbing. Yeah, that that puzzle of um, the giant, and you have to climb his his hammer, I think it is. And you yeah. have to lodge the hammer out to break through the floor to get further mm. where you need to be. That was good. Yeah, that was a great set piece of that. Mm. And this is where you, you end up meeting those um those two from earlier again. So, mm, yeah. Agni and Moda. Yeah, Thor's so, children. Yeah, the sons of Thor. Who are they voiced by? They're voiced know. by, uh, I don't know which way around. One is Troy Baker, the other one is Nolan, Nolan yes. North. Correct. Is it? Yep. It's Magni, who is Troy Baker. Yeah, the one who's blonde is Troy Baker. Yes. <laughs> is probably the best way you could say. Annoying boss fight. 
took a while for me because you have to, you have to like for me personally I had to focus on Magni first because mm. he was kind of easier to defeat and then but the other one with the shield was very annoying. Yeah, yeah I didn't mind like the combat aspect of it, but when you were like backed into a corner, like oh, did the and they were like the yeah, that's it. That's I really liked that, that annoyed me. I really liked that. I liked it because it they started playing with your expectations because like the first time you do it they're they're just clearly running at you you just got to yeah. block them but then like the second and third time they do it like one comes to you but then like stops and pulls back and then now you got to like find where the other one's coming from yeah and they started playing with your expect I, I did like that aspect of it I think it was just the initial one that actually fine of them that was annoying for me but yeah I think this is where you you defeat Magni I think this one at yeah, this point. Sure. Yeah, so you end up doing Magby in. Yeah. Obviously, molding, um, multiple exit. Atreus starts going crazy, losing control of it. I'll kill you out! Yeah. He chases after him, flinging all his arrows. Kratos is like, control yourself, boy! So obviously, you get the chisel and all that. You, you mm. do this bit here. And then you travel to Tia's temple, don't you? So that's the bit underneath. So you go back to Yes, the yeah. Under the realm bridge, yeah. Yeah, so you go back under there. You're just about and to get down. Yeah, this way you get ambushed by. Uh, Bodhi comes by. Bodhi, yeah. Starts electrocuting you. That's it, yeah. That's where Atreus gets his little. And then spot. Atreus tries to. Well, he like, tries to. But... <laughs> and then he just collapses. You spot and rage out of that, don't you? Yeah, you spot rage because he's. Well, unconscious now. Yeah. Again, Modi gets to. Modi likes it. Again. Yeah. <laughs> no, th- yeah, at this point he comes because he's angry that, like. People think he's going to now be the, the superior son because yeah. he's the only one left. But he's like, but I didn't do it naturally. You did this for me. Yeah, you, yeah. Just, you took my chance of being the favourite son. Yeah. But I have to say, this bit at least probably the most memorable part of the game. It's like you've got to take a dress back to Frey. Yeah. So you do that. And it's, it's all very deliberately slow. All this bit, isn't it? It's... Hmm. It's like you, you take, yeah, like take the, you can't the rowing's all slow and yeah. everything's just. Yeah, you get them in the boat, you. You can see that the world's become a lot darker. I don't know if you noticed that. It's like a lot of grey sky. I think it did, yeah, yeah. Then obviously you row it back to Prayer. It says, right, uh, you've got to go to, is it Helheim? Yeah. Yeah, Helheim. You need the, the heart it's of the. The keeper of the Bridge of the Damned. A friend forms Kratos that the reason why. Atreus is getting sick is because he his body is like in conflict with him thinking who he is and who he actually is and what Kratos has been keeping from him. Yeah. So at this point we kind of find out oh uh, Atreus is is a god. Yeah. But because he doesn't know it, his kind of moral body's in conflict. So this is why you have to. Uh, well, this is the reason why you have to go to Helheim. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something like the, the, the um, Helheim is so cold that like fires can't burn there or something like that. Mm. It's something like that, yeah. And then like Kratos is like, oh, I've something. got something that can burn there. <laughs> yeah. So he travels back in his boat. A wonderful sequence. Mm. Uh, All the way back home. And then he arrives home, opens up the floorboard, pulls out. And as someone who has never played God of War before, even I was hyped about this because I was like, "This, this is it, isn't it? This, this, this is those things that he's played, that like he's, he's used in the other games, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> they have the other yeah. games. <laughs> these things, these legendary things." And then he just opens it up. And it's just like, "Oh, what a, 
what a wonderful moment that was. Mm. I mean, I don't know how you guys thought about it. I mean, I don't know if you ever felt that, but I did. I don't know why. I think it's I, really, that was the, I really enjoyed the bit. Yeah, because yeah, that was like one of the few things I knew about God of War. Mm. It was like those weapons. So if you don't know what we're talking about, well, of course we're talking about the Blades of Chaos. Blades of Chaos. I liked the um, like the ghostly body of Athena um, yes. talking to him yeah. as well. Horn him. I just love like once you'd put the uh, Blades of Chaos on, then just a horde of enemies comes in, yeah. just absolutely mowing through. Yeah. It's like, oh, I get to have fun now with these. That's it. But the thing is, like they, they proper went to town on the on the Blades of Chaos, though, didn't they? It's like they. They had its own skill tree and all that. It wasn't just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, just like this is not just like a small addition. Yeah, because mm. we thought because obviously they put everything into the Leviathan axe. You think, oh, maybe this is gonna just gonna be a little extra little thing. But no, it was like all skill tree and all that. It's just like amazing. It's like pro- two amazing weapons. It's like yeah, two incredible weapons at the same time. And I like the dynamic between fire and ice. Yeah. Because like later on in the game, you start like alternating between them, don't you? Yeah. It's like certain enemies. Yeah, certain enemies are like a weaker to the blades, and then others are weaker to the axe. I actually think once I fully leveled up the blades, I I thought they they replaced the axe for me. I'd love to just using the blades. I think it's, it's, it's just with it? the yeah. yeah. That's what I it's the range like and being able to up... spin them around as well. They're more of like an area of effect kind of weapon. Mm. So like if you start getting surrounded, tear the blades out, and you're a little bit more safer than the axe. Axe is more like one on one, more close to use. But the, the great thing is obviously you can throw the axe in a fight and then just change to the blades. Yeah, and then just yeah. chain a few things and then recall the axe and then. No, yeah. I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than throwing your axe and then pulling it to come back and then just chopping someone's head off it. That's fun. Uh, so then, obviously, you go off to Hellbind, don't you? With your blades. You retrieve this art, so you come across this big... What is that massive... That bird like Yeah. Because yeah. I thought that was going to be, like, the boss that you'd need to get the thing from. Yeah. I'm like, that's absolutely massive. How the heck am I going to beat that thing? I'm like, I don't think it's Hades. I think I it's think like I'm... Death Incarnate or something like that. I don't think you ever queen... interact with it, do you? No. It's just there. I think it's the Queen of the Valkyries. I mean, I might not be sure about that. I know there's something called the Queen of the Valkyries. Well, mm-hmm. if you beat all the Valkyries... Now, speaking of the Valkyries, did, have, have either of you actually beaten a Valkyrie? Because I certainly didn't. No, I wasn't. I have beat beaten two. I've not gone through any yet. How? How did you beat two? Uh... Matthew's good at games. A lot of, yeah, this a is, lot this of, is all these platinums coming in. I mean, um, it's just jump, stomp on you, jump, stomp on the, you. The the first one that I defeated, I think, was the first one I defeated is the one that you first unlock. You know, once you finally get the the chisel the chisel piece and you start, you can unlock yes. the doors. Yeah. I was like, oh, where, where's this going to lead me to? I wonder if it's going to be kind of cool. And that's kind of the first Valkyrie I fought. Um. It's probably going to be the, the easiest one out of the eight, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Not saying that they're actually easy, because it still took me a, a good amount of time to defeat. <laughs> uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, learning the attack patterns and when to parry and when to actually dodge is, is probably the best advice I can give. Because, I mean, the, the second one was more difficult. The second one acted like the first one, but had slightly different attack patterns, but then also had enemies spawning around me. Which is really annoying. Very annoying. Because if you focus on the enemies in the first wave, 
and then take out her health eventually. She'll spawn new enemies, but now they're like not the same. They're slightly a little bit harder to defeat to a point that like she starts spawning like stuff that starts throwing projectiles and then ones that the ones that have shields annoy me the most because they always block any combo you start going into and then they'll take a free swipe at you. Mm. But they are difficult. I tried to take a third one on, and she's faster than the others, and I immediately died. I was like, I'll come back to you once I finish the game. <laughs> but they are different. Because I, I went back to try and do them after the game, and it's just like, game just went, no, you're not beating us. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he, he just keeps jumping up and just like flying down, landing on you, and then stomping you ready. Mm. When I was trying to do I'm just like... I can't be bothered with this. The, yeah, uh, the, the best thing I can give is, you know how like certain attacks give off a, a ring red effect? Thing, yeah. yeah, so if it's red, it's like you can't parry or block this, you have to dodge. Or if it's, but if it's green, you can parry it. Is, I, I always try to parry those. I was dodgy, but was, she was still landed on me. So still, I don't get it. Yeah. But my, but speak, well, anyway, going back to what we were talking about, I think if you beat all them, you come against the Queen of the Valkyries. I don't know if it's that's that thing you see that's the green. in Helheim or some sort of interpretation because I don't think you face something that massive. Yeah, that would just be incredible. But it might be the spirit of it or something like that. I don't know. I don't quite know. Mm. Um, I'll never get to that point anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, what did you think of that boss? I thought it was going to be something a bit different rather than just like the standard like ogre that you fight. Throughout the game. Out. It was a overflight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's pretty same-ish. But yeah. Anyway, you kill him, get the heart, <laughs> move on. I like, I like how Brock just turns up at the end of that. He's yeah. Like hiding, hiding behind yeah, the, the, this is where you start to learn how they, how they, how they get about. Because like, I think he's like, you're like, how are you in hell? He's like, I know how to get to places. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, why was he bothering going over that bridge with that big thing then? If he could just... The plot... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's probably the first time he'd, he'd set up shop where he was. Never, never. But like, I would like he's behind that pillar, and then he's just like, "Quick, give me those blades." Like, what <laughs> yeah. And then Mamiya's like, "You think he's just not? I don't think he's just gonna nicked off there with him, that's it." Yeah, he is. He goes yeah. back behind the pillar, doesn't he? And then he just quickly returns like a few seconds later. Here you go. He's... Did Did you try and look once he disappeared? Final time to have a look to see if, if he was still there. <laughs> No, I didn't. If he's just suddenly still behind the pillar, he's just like, <laughs> like a funny thing. It's just like, you weren't meant to see me. <laughs> I mean, he uh, does. He actually does disappear. But I was like, I was intrigued. I was like, wonder if he's. No, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, he quits it so he can move the winds of hell. You can chain yeah. um, this energy ball, quickly. and you move it along. That was pretty cool. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I do like, I do like him. Uh, but the puzzle. So at some point. You you get back to um, the witch's cave once you've, I suppose, technically healed um, Atreus, uh, and that scene's actually quite powerful as well. When when Kratos starts kind of finally opening up to Atreus, is like, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a god from. Well, f- first obviously it's like she does the thing where she helps Atreus recover. Yeah. But then I think Kratos is having a conversation with Freya first. And then it's it's assumed that um, the train ends up overhearing it. Yes, I think, yeah. I think Kratos thought yeah. he was like still out. 
that and then was... we go down for the boat down there. Mm. And as they're pulling the boat back into the water, it's like, I know you overheard the conversation, boy. Why'd you not speak? And obviously, yeah, that's when he learned. Kratos yeah, because like, yeah, Atreus here is like strangely quiet, and that's why that's when Kratos like pulls him up on it. So he finds out he's a god. God of boy. Mm. Boy god. god of boy. I like how he's like, what powers have I got? And he's like, don't know. Can I turn into an yeah. animal? That was his first yeah, question. Can I turn into an animal? Can I turn into a wolf? And then you, you get out to Tears Vault, don't you? So that's the thing, that's where they were going before. Yeah, so you finally get the end up, tears. You up spark, sparking himself out with a Spartan rage mm. attempt. So you get down. But then you've got to go through yeah. all these trap things, aren't you? Yeah, I thought these rooms were quite interesting. I'll be honest, there's some that I absolutely just ran through and I got through in a few seconds, strangely enough. It was difficult. I did, I did that the one time. I think I'd, I'd timed um, freezing one of the blocks of spikes coming down and then you have to match it. I yeah. thought I timed it, but then like I didn't, and then the other one came down. It was like, damn. What's interesting <laughs> was like was like the spinning blades ones, which were all going round, and then you yeah. had to free certain ones to, one. yeah. to try and align them all up. Yeah, you start to line. That was cool. Uh, one aspect about that bit of the game that I thought was interesting was you get to a certain room, and um, Kratos finds a jar that depicts him killing the gods, and yeah. he de- destroys it so that Atreus can't see it. Yeah. Thing is, that part though of the jar is still like intact. Like you still, <laughs> yeah, it still is, yeah. still over it. Still like there. I'm still there. Killing Good the job, God. Kratos. Yeah, it's like, you're not really there. broke. <laughs> so you do all this bit, and then um, there's like, this is quite a movie moment, isn't it? Where Kratos hands over a knife mm. to mm, Atreus. Yeah. Say, so, on the day you were born, I created two knives, Rich, like, like from mixing metals from here and. Like his past, yeah. it was before. Awesome. I said he made one for myself and one for you. Now this, this, this now you are ready. This is your now. And he, he says that he, he must be better, than Kratos. Mm. Uh, then you come across. You have a battle here. Do you have a battle? You do, don't you? You have a um, battle with two ogres. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that are they like the sort of the fire and ice ones. <laughs> Another one of my favourite bits now is that when the when they leave and they're travelling back up the lift, Kratos pulls out this lemnium wine. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... he finds it in it along with the treasures. Yeah, uh, and then he, he, he just takes it. Been... Yeah, takes it with him, and then he's just as a sip, he goes, ah! and I think he gives it to Atreus. And Atreus is like, <laughs> I think it was the first time I saw Kratos smile. Yeah, it was the first time he'd, he'd kind of dropped the, I suppose, bad-looking face yeah. <laughs> he had all the time. And then um, this is the part when Atreus starts to become a bit of a dick, doesn't he? Mm. So you, you, you I'm so across, disappointed. Yeah, so you, you meet up with Sindri again, don't you? And then suddenly he just like... He just kills him. Pop at him. <laughs> kills him. Kills him. Well, you, you, don't, you don't kill him, but maybe verbally, yes. Kills him with words for sure. Yeah, he just proper slaughters him with words. It's like nobody no, cares. But... Yeah, because because he's like he's going on about like his his disagreements with his brother again. Yeah, and like yeah, no one Atreus... cares about your mortal. Um... Yeah, <laughs> we don't care about little people's little problems. Mm. That's what he says. Well, that, isn't it? Because Atreus, th- 
Treyas is doing what he thinks his dad has been doing. He's like, oh, it's just like mortal problems, nothing to do with us. This is why we don't get involved. But like, this is like the wrong lesson <laughs> Treyas is learning. There's like a few moments earlier which Mamiya like kind of notices. This is like, I don't, yeah. think, that's, I don't think that's the message we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he picks on it, upon it first and think one when he says all these things with Sindri, this is where like Kratos is like, mm, don't think you're taking this god news very well. <laughs> Why did you speak to him like that? Why did you speak to the dwarf like that? Yeah. It picks him up on it. But then it just gets worse as we continue. It was unkind. Yeah. It's really annoying as well, right after that, the bit that they, that they share with the drink. Because you think, oh, like, yeah. the relationship's getting really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you think it's a turning point. And then, like, it's like, it's almost like the roller coaster now starts yeah. dipping back down. It's like, oh, well, Atreus is now coming to get just like, cocky. Like, as, he's, as he's saying those things to Sindra, did you notice that storm starts raging? In the skies above. Yeah. So, it, like, obviously his anger is affecting the world. And then he goes on to disrespect his mother. Yeah. I thought that so was like, weird. I so wanted like, to what? slap him so bad. And then he has a pop at Mimir as well. It's just, it's just like, well, what's just, going on, Trace? He starts having a pop at everyone, doesn't he? So they continue up this mountain. It's like, if I was Kratos, I would have slapped him off that mountain right away. Yeah, that's it. You see like, down there? Go. Over, boy. <laughs> Listen, pal, I know you're probably going through puberty, but now's not the time or the place. And then you go back inside, don't you? And you come across Modi again. So Modi well, seems it, to be Yeah, so you're going back to the mountain and then Modi's there. He's like, well, he's been punished by Thor. Yeah. Because he, he didn't do what he... Well, I forgot why he betrayed him. Uh, not betrayed him, but beat him up, tortured him. I think it was because of what had happened. Basically, he didn't get a trace or something. I think he was meant to bring a trace back or something like that. Yeah, but he's so injured and he's clearly in no shape to fight. And then Atreus is like, well... We could just kill him. Yeah, we'll just yeah. kill him. Atreus is like, well, he's not, he's not like, worth it. Yeah, he's, he's already beaten. You don't need to. Yeah. This is this, this was the lowest point for Atreus for me, just when he does that. Oh, absolutely. But just the sinister nature of it. It's just like, he pulls out his knife, doesn't it? It's just like, we're gods. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, it's like, we kill gods. It's like, well... No. It's, it's it's probably pretty on brand for the god he is. And then just goes and sticks a knife in his neck. Yeah. And then kicks him and off the ledge. Kicks him off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it. What the hell? <laughs> it's just like, Kratos obviously loses it. It's like, what are you doing? There are consequences, boy. This is it. <sighs> if you kill gods, there's consequences for it. And I hated the game after this bit, because like, every every bit that you need Kratos to like shoot something at, but he's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he starts not You mean whatever? Yeah, I need to fire these arrows. He starts starting fights for no reason. It's like, we don't... Stop it! <laughs> stop it, boy! <laughs> hey, you little you get, brat. <laughs> so you get back to the top of the mountain that you were on earlier. Because you were trying to get through a gate, weren't you? So yeah, well, I see, yeah. So the chisels helps for the gateway to um, Olfenheim, isn't it? Jotunheim. Jotunheim. Jotunheim, sorry. And ju- just, just as bad as you're about to get you through the gate, only Boulder rocks up again, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then Atreus gets all goddy and tries to fight him. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I can do this. He just picks like, him up by oh, the neck. I'm a god! I, I don't care if you're a god. And then Atreus goes full Darth Vader and shoots you with an arrow. Yeah. Because you're trying to, like, trying to stop it. And it's just like... Pop it all, uh, yeah, it's like, this is the Anakin Skywalker. 
But what ends up happening is that Kratos ends up smashing Balder into the gate, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Which ends he up destroying the gate. Because he's like, well, if Balder gets access to it, that's it. The Odin, I should say. Obviously, that's sets them back a bit. Yeah, and the trace oh. gets mad at you. Like, why did you yeah. break the yeah. gate? That was our way. It's like, do you see this man here who's trying to kill us? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's going to be unhelpful if he's still, if he's still around. So then um, he grabs a trace, doesn't he? And then he leaps off the mountain. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Uh, well, he stabs him, doesn't he? He's like, he stabs him, which not oh, yeah. makes him go unconscious and then flies off on his dragon. Yeah. That's some scene as well. That was fun. For the whole fight on the... Yeah. Fight on the dragon. When he's trying to like smash into you and stuff. Um, I like the bit where um, Kratos like he's, he's kicked Balder off it, mm. and then the camera pans up and he comes across the other side of. Yeah, he's done like a matrix flip around. Yeah. <laughs> don't get rid right. of it that easy. And then they crash land back onto the bridge, don't they? Back into yeah. the realm, and they end up travelling back to Helheim. Yeah, I can't remember if he did this by accident or if he does it on purpose. Kratos does it on purpose, but I can't remember the reasoning behind it. They end up in Helheim, and like Kratos is like, "This is your fault. This is why we're here." He starts to see like the error of his ways, doesn't he? Mm. That's right. he? Well, sees, he, he starts seeing visions like visions of what he'd just done. And he's like, yeah. "That's not me." It's like, no, that, that definitely well, that was you. Is. That yeah, was you. <laughs> you did that. It's, it's, like, it's like looking at posts from Facebook from seven years ago. Like I did not talk like that. <laughs> yeah, who was this man? I mean, you're going on trying to get out of the place, and this is yeah. where you see the, the visions. Yeah, um, this is where Balder starts having his visions with Freya of like, well, you find out initially that Balder's uh, his son, uh, her son, I should say. Yeah, and then you find out how he gets becomes. Um, he's 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 not he is immortal. Yeah, he, he, the immortal. he's made him immortal. He can't feel pain. But he can't feel pain. That's um, it. And it's, dro- it's driven him mad in effect because he can't feel anything. Well, that's so it, yeah. Fre- so Freya has done that to him. Yeah. This is the conflict because I think Freya learned that he was going to die a necessary death or something like that. He was like foretold. Got quite something like that, yeah. She, she had that's why she ended up doing that. But he's ended up resenting it because he thinks it's like a form of... Courage. Yeah, he resents it because now he can't feel anything. And that's not way to live. But he has the vision of like um, he's he's confronted uh, with a knife ready to kind of murder her, and like he's he's going on, like do it, do it, God, do it. But like his vision's like he didn't, he ends up not doing it, and he gets mad at himself for not being able to do it. And then you obviously you're trying to leave Halheim, and you go you do it by boat, but not any old boat, by floating boat. Yeah, it's this... quite ingenious by uh, by Kratos. Yeah, cool. sure. <laughs> it's like the sailors. Horizontally, and burns fires. Yeah. One thing that was annoying is when the enemies start getting on the ship and putting the fires oh, out yeah. and stuff. Fire, uh, yeah. I do think this dragged on for a bit too long for me. Um, yeah, I, I think a little bit. I think it's like, just I, the repetitive nature of yeah, ways it's of like enemies a, putting the fires out and yeah. So you start seeing swans throwing uh, anchors onto the ship, taking parts yeah. out of it as you're trying to trying to escape. Uh, and then you eventually find it's what well, Balder's been trying to do. Towards the end of that, that's where you, you see that vision, don't you? Well, yeah, vision the of, big vision of, of Kratos um, killing Zeus, his father. Yeah. yeah. Strangely enough, Atreus. Um, Atreus doesn't really act, react to this that much. He's like, oh, you well, 
Well, he's clearly. Well, you can see he's clearly looking at it. That you can see it because he's looking at both. Yeah. People in it, so he's clear. But then he just like, he just runs straight through it and says, "Right, we've got to, like, Dad, we've got to get off now." Yeah, it's like he pulls Kratos out of like the, I suppose yeah. the the days that he's in for seeing the vision. And then they get out, and I think they're traveling down the lift, aren't they? And Kratos says to him, "That that that thing we saw, that vision." And then Trace is just like, "What what what vision?" It's like pretending like he didn't see it. <laughs> you, know, you know he did see it. You re, you rejoin with Brock and Sindri, don't you? Because they they reunite. Mm, yeah, you get back together. Which is a great moment. I really like this moment. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's quite nice seeing two brothers get back together. Kratos was asking Brock to build a key or something, wasn't he? That was because, a, yeah. it, because it wasn't a weapon. Brock was like, no, "I can't make this." And that's when yeah. Sindri showed up and said, "Oh, I have this thing." To, to use it so why don't you use this and Brock's like what where did you get that from and then suddenly they're like get into it yeah start. you start making the key and stuff that was really nice that was it a key to Tia's hidden chamber that's what it was so you get down there and then for some reason I, I can't quite remember the reason behind this but then you have to cut two chains for this temple and then you flip it upside down yeah that was weird that when you actually... um it's something about um they had to flip the the world tree upside down which then it was like it was a way how they they hid the the way to um the land of the giants jo- yeah offenheim yeah yeah uh, it's something like that. Yo- jofenheim is it jofenheim, jofenheim. i'm sure i'll say five hundred times <laughs> and then you find what's called the unity stone no? so that's allows travel like the realm between realms and that's how it's yeah yeah, so um, like early in the game, you get a stone to be able to fast travel, but it was only from one place to Brock's shop. Yeah. Yeah. I think once you get that, I don't think that this was the specific reason it starts to unlock fast travel for everywhere now. But it was like it was one way of how Tia. It was explained how Tia got to other realms, so like how he could go to Egypt, yeah. how he could go to Rome. Uh, other places and stuff. Um, and it was like this is where he will have hidden like the the place to get to Jotunheim. So then you're in the the realm room and you find out it won't work trying to get to your time because yes. Mia needs his other eye. Mm. It's four eyes of being able. What was it? Uh, it was the the giants gift him and Tear this gift because they were the only two people they trusted which unlocks something apparently unlocks a lot of knowledge for both of them or something that's why Mimir's knows a lot of stuff yeah so Thor took one of Mimir's eyes and hid it in the world serpent well it was hidden in the statue of no, Thor yeah I think Odin but, did it but the yeah well it might have been Odin but then yeah. the world serpent ate that statue yeah, as soon as you meet the world serpent, he's like, the statue? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, this was a good moment. So you go back to calling the world serpent on the horn. Yeah. That was, I was like, ooh. <laughs> and then he's just row inside the world serpent. Yeah, yeah. Tolstoy was like, hey, we need to get inside you because yeah. there's this thing that I need. <laughs> you don't mind opening up the... The world serpent's just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. sure. Uh... <laughs> I think it was right. I think it was really 
good like rowing inside of him and like looking at his insides and stuff. I think it was really interesting. Just seeing all the stuff they'd eaten throughout all the years. Um, yeah. and then, so you end up finding this eye, don't you? And then as you're about to row out, something happens. Oh, yeah. Like, starts something something's starts happening to the world. The shake. Yeah. 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 And, and then you find out it's um Boulder that's fighting the world serpent. So then he ends up spitting you out and you're back in that snowy region, aren't you? Mm. Mm, yeah. The corpse of Thalbor was. This is where Freya shows up, doesn't she? Again. Yeah. And then Balder turns up because he, he like walks out of the water, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like... If, if Very I... Terminator-esque. <laughs> and, I think uh, at this stage it just got really insane quickly. Yeah. It does because it's like... Well, Balder wants. Well, Balder wants to kill you because he. They need the way to Offenheim. Jotunheim. I'm gonna say it right at some point. Jotunheim. Um, for Odin. But I think it was also a way for him. No, Frey knows this, so she appears because she wants to basically have a relationship back with her son again. Oh, she wants to be forgiven for. Because she realised what she did is is was the wrong thing. Um, so then Balder wants to kill Freya, and then you you end up kind of being in the middle of it. Then of like you're stopping Balder from, from killing Freya, but Freya's stopping you from killing Balder. Balder, yeah. Um, it just starts getting crazy. <laughs> so Freya thinks that for reasons Balder can be reasoned with. It's just like that's just not gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, Kratos is like, I've seen this before. I've gone down this road. It doesn't end well. <laughs> so she's constantly trying to stop them fighting. By she ends up taking control of the the giant the from the yeah. yeah yeah. So she's doing everything to try and prevent it, like putting hand between them and all yeah. Sort of stuff. So yeah, and like you you keep on getting like restrained from the vines from Freyther's. Yes, and then this leads to the bit where so Kratos gets tied up with these vines mm. and. Boulder's about to like proper give him a good kicking. And then Trace stands up, stands in front of Kratos, and Boulder just gives him such a punch in the guts. He's proper just laying there. Oh, oh. <laughs> he's like, oh, there's like this blood everywhere. Like, oh, yeah, and this is like out of it. So he's like, rage. you're bleeding. And then he just goes, not my blood. So it turns out, so he would like those. He fixed his quiver really on, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. There was an arrow head that was in his quiver that Freya earlier said was cursed. Yes, yes. She took him out and then threw him into the fire or something. Yeah, at some point he gets arrows from. Is was it? Is it from Brock? Like he, he swaps arrows around at some point. It was from Sindri after the dragon fire. Was it Sindri? That was yes, because he he helps power them up, doesn't he? Something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, and then Freya's like, "No, get rid of these." Yeah. yeah. And replaces them with her arrows that she didn't use anymore. But I think it's because I think she knew that would make him. That, that would hurt him. Yeah. 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 That would make well, him they made us something like mistletoe. Some about mistletoe. Yes. Yes. Mistletoe. Yeah. Being, I suppose, poisonous to Boulder. Yeah. So what's happened obviously is that he's punched the quiver thing. Yeah. Stabbed himself, and now he suddenly he can feel. Yeah, it like breaks his curse. Well, not the curse, but the spell that prey upon. And then. A whole fight happens over the over the giant or something like that, doesn't this it? This fight was mental. Yeah. 
then um, the giant, she controls the giant to pick them up, don't she? Yeah, yeah and then they, it. like, go off somewhere. And in the fight, I have to say, there's, there's a wonderful bit of interaction between Kratos and Atreus. There's, like, the bit where they're doing flips and all that, and, like, there's times where you, you have to control, there's, like, a prompt on screen to press square to, like, get Atreus. Oh, yeah, you start, yeah, you're moment. doing, like, combos and stuff with, like, yeah. Atreus You'll punch, Atreus. you'll dodge, time to shoot, all in, like, a cinematic. Yeah. Oh, what phrase, scream and stop it. <laughs> yeah. But then there's, like, the best bit is when it comes to, like, the close of that fight. And, like, the, the alternate kicking and punching him, which is done <laughs> yeah, so yeah. well. Smacks him with the, the, um, the bow, Kratos whacks him. Yeah, it's good. And there's a kick. <laughs> it's a good dancing moment, isn't it? Where they're just combining it. And, and then Atreus, he manages to call the world serpent, doesn't he? Well, this is, this is where... I, which I attacks the giant. Well, I said, at some point before all this, Atreus figures out that his power is being able to speak all the languages, so he can talk to yeah. the world serpent. Because before that, it's only Mimir that roughly knows the old tongue. Um, but then, like Atreus is like, "Yeah, I understand the snake, uh, the serpent," and starts telling him to to start finding the giant. Yeah, all this dad. Kratos is about to finish him off into hands around neck. And this is an interesting point because this is where Atreus is saying he's beaten. He's no longer. Yeah, yeah this is like the now the, uh, the like the mirror, the flip of like, look, he's he's being you don't need to fire him anymore. And then Kratos, you know, relinquishes, doesn't he? Mm. And I think they just start to walk off, don't they? Kratos and Atreus. And that leaves Boulder. I think Kratos says, You will not come after us and you will leave alone mm. yeah and then i think at this point boulder tries killing his mother yeah, first thing, first, yeah first thing he does is just like yo i'm going to kill you well i i think just before this freya freya kind of just accepts it she's like i would rather be yeah. murdered by you than see you dead yeah if this makes if so, this is yeah, the thing that makes you happy yeah so she kind of just opens herself up to it so then boulder's there like strangling her to death like almost kills her and then Kratos like stop no nope. snaps, <laughs> no, snaps his neck for the second time yeah, yeah. It's, this, this time, time he's actually home. Home. Yeah. and then uh, Freya goes absolutely mental mm. well that one that monologue here. yeah I can't remember off that but that monologue she delivers said I will rain fires on you I will well I will punish you for eternity or something oh, I can't remember what she says basically yeah Maybe something for the follow-up, that one. Mm. Yeah. So you get back to the realm room after all that, and uh, you unlock the Jotunheim, mm. the place you would go. Yep. And then you're just about to climb up the steps, aren't you? And then Mamiya says, like, oh, this is a moment for you to leave me behind. And then Brock and Sindri turn up, don't they? Mamiya's <laughs> like, uh, well, like, no, 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 <laughs> They are like... It's funny because they're like, oh, the things we're going to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> climb to the top. And Kratos, he, he takes his wrapping off, his arm doesn't mm. he? And he just lets yeah, him off. Less you can just yeah. see like the burns of the, the chain. The chains, yeah. His arms. It's just like, I've got nothing to hide now. We'll see, yeah, it's a point where he's like, um, I, you know, you know my full past now. You know who I am. I've got nothing else to hide from. And, my then, past. and then he takes the ashes, doesn't he? And he hands them to Atreus. 
Yeah, because throughout the story, Atreus has been like, "Oh, can I can I carry the ashes?" Yeah, and it's because like, being, no, "You're not ready." Finally, it's like, "Here you go." So oh, especially, especially the bit once he starts getting arrogant. It's like, "Can I carry the ashes now?" My God, it's like, "No." Like, yes, like, why not? Like, shut up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is where you get. This is when you then go into the room. There's a lot of murals on the wall. Well, they're just about to exit onto the highest point. Atreus, I think, he touches the wall, doesn't he? And that starts. Yeah, it starts. Um, yeah. And it, they're all images of things they've done in their journey. Yeah. It turns out yeah, it's, it's pretty predicted. much like a uh, a telling of what will be happening, basically. Like somehow, Atreus's mom. I think it's it's implied that Atreus's mom carved these, knowing what was going to happen. Like she knew what was going to happen in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So she was holding a secret herself. In that she mm. was a giant. She was no mortal. I don't understand how it was such a secret if she was a giant. I know that Atreus is half giant, but it just. Well, the secret is that. Uh, well, giant, giant doesn't necessarily know. big. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, Kratos didn't know. Yeah, there was that thing actually that uh, Mimir reveals in like a, in, a, in a story is that. The actual giant race doesn't mean that you're a literal giant. You're just... You could be human-sized, but still be a giant. Well, then there's one particular mural, isn't there? Yeah, there's one that's sort of hidden hidden away. So there's like a, there's a, a, a cloth blowing, isn't there? Mm. Behind it, there is... How can you describe it? It looks like Atreus cradling Kratos... Mm-hmm. With sort of like snake thing coming out of his mouth. Well, I don't know how to describe it really. Let's see if I can I can I can pull and out. A trace didn't see this bit. So no, a trace runs off at this point. Well, I thought I thought the um the lines that were spoken at that moment were quite interesting. So it's like a trace he just like turns and starts running off. He's going, oh, we're so close to the end, and Kratos is looking at this mural and just says, yes, mm. yes. Which is quite poor boding. I'm interested to know what your interpretation of that is. Well, I think the first interpretation was that Atreus is going to kill Kratos. That's what I thought, anyway. I didn't think that. I just thought um, it meant it, it portrayed Kratos as death, but it was just you know Atreus is there, kind of in his final moments, sort of thing. But I, I don't know much about the snake. Meaning was. So you go out, hey, you can't. Did you did you listen to the um? Did you hear that little bit where it's, I don't know, I can't remember. I think it was great. Uh, I think it was a trace who said it. It's like, oh, there's a handprint here. It might be, like, yeah. I think it's like face handprint. Hmm. And did you realise what that was getting at? What that was talk, referring to? So you know, throughout the entire game, you do you know when you come to the bit oh, where you climb? Yeah. So you, you climb things. Yeah, you climb things and there's symbols and that. It's got yeah, it's got all the symbols and all that. That means that. She was she, there. She put there, yeah. 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 She put so she did the there. entire journey before you. Yeah, wow. it's it's like she's she from how I interpret it, she's seen what's going to happen yeah. at some point. So she's gone round putting these symbols in as like uh, as like a helping guide for Kratos and Atreus in the future to yeah. guide them to where to go, basically. I liked how they explained that because... If, if without that, it's just kind of oh, there's these symbols around, just like tell me where to go. It's like oh, this yeah, it just seems a bit seems a bit out of place. But now it's actually oh, it, you know, the mothers led them 
around to tell them where to go, basically. A nice little explanation. And then you finally reach the peak, don't you? Trace takes out the bag, creates us like together. Yeah. And they start spreading the ashes together. Really wonderful moment. Quite mm-hmm. touching after everything you've been through. Yeah. It's interesting how when Kratos spreads ashes, it's just kind of a normal kind of ashes that get spread, but when Atreus is doing it, there's like sparkles coming from his when he releases it. I didn't notice that. That's I noticed that. I thought it was quite interesting. I think I think it's more of a, you, this is how you can tell he's a giant or part giant because everything he's touching is... Yeah, it just reacts differently because it's a realm yeah. that he's got that... Just one thing, the view, the view from that Oh, that was amazing. Oh, yeah. Love fantastic. All the, uh, I wish you could the, explore it. You see all the, like, the corpses and things like that. Mm. I mean, that's not nice. The giant hand. <laughs> it was quite All exciting. the dead giants around. And then, just so after you've done that, you start walking off. This is when you learn the other bit. Mm, so, yes. Atreus is saying, oh, it's all very fun. I, right, I know I'm part god, part giant, part mortal. And he says that the giants kept getting his name wrong. On his murals. In fact, they kept calling him Loki. Mm. That was quite a shocking moment for me. I'm like, oh my goodness, because it, mm. it like kind of puts him into like the canon of the Nordic law. Oh, well, yeah. just don't. That this is one thing though. Do not don't get it confuse confused it. with Marvel. <laughs> with the lore. Yeah, no. Yes. Yeah. Loki That's... and Thor, they are well half brothers. But in actual law, Loki has nothing to do with law. <laughs> but he is the trickster god. That is the Nordic. Yeah. Um, well, that returns back to the bit where Atreus finds out he's a god. And mm. that when he's, he's, he asks about it turning into an animal, and he says, can I turn into a wolf? Mm, in, yeah, it's linked, in, yeah. In he... Loki is associated with wolves. Start getting the credits. <laughs> yeah, you get the credits, and then I think it's like, oh, we can return home now. I'll just explore the world. Did you return home? I did. I did, yes. Because this leads to the proper ending, doesn't it? Leads to the real ending of, uh, mm. <laughs> of God of War. So you go home, get in bed, yeah, you go to sleep, and then suddenly a card comes up saying, years later. Years later. Was it one year? I was later? a long sleep. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a bit weird. And there's like you wake up and there's like this storm raging, you know, isn't there? Mm. And then like I think part you can see it through the roof and all that. And you go outside, and you see this shadowy figure in the dark. I have to say it looks a bit podgy. Looks a bit. Mm. Well, Kratos screams, "Who are you?" Yeah, who are you? Uh, this person. And he pans behind. Yeah, it pans behind person. the cloak. Who's got a quite suddenly, fancy uh, cloak? Yeah, and then suddenly he just pulls back the cloak. You see Mjolnir. The hammer electrified. The hammer of Thor. Hmm. What? A, what a close that is. Hmm. Definitely. What I like don't is, you, is don't you ready for the could, next game? You could have completely missed that part. Well, you can do because I mean, at that point when the game returns, you it pretty much tells you you can like go around and start doing the things that you missed, so, like the Valkyries mm. and the favors and whatnot. Pretty cool ending though. See that that's pretty much how Ragnarok's going to open. Oh well, is it? Well, things everyone Sorry. keeps calling the sequel. So obviously the sequel is announced, but everyone seems to think it's called God of War Ragnarok. And yeah, I don't think it's officially been called that. No, I think that's just what everyone's calling. Uh, it. I think everyone's calling that because when when it was revealed, you see the 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 God of War symbol, but now it's in 
icy blue rather than red. And then the words Ragnarok is coming or something like that followed it, didn't it? This leads on to another an interesting thing. That in, um, I think it was 2019, Corey Barlog, again, creative director, he, um, so the year after the game was released, yeah. he put out a series of tweets on Twitter, which was basically just like, sort of like behind the scenes thing. Hmm. And each each post was accompanied by a, like a few pictures and it's just just saying how thankful he was to work with a great team etc and this is how we did this etc etc mm. and it was like an entire series of tweets and it turns out this is this was only discovered like about a year after or something that all those tweets if you take the first letter of each tweet and spell Ragnarok it spells Ragnarok is coming really what yeah. that's insane so it was all fun <laughs> I, I, I love it when uh developers do this kind of stuff like the hide the hide secrets have been like like up like just normal stuff yeah that you won't even think to connect. like start mining yeah. and stuff yeah. glad that you watched the um the documentary that's on youtube on the playstation youtube channel no uh, raising kratos it's like a two-hour documentary film about the making of god of war it's really good i'd really encourage you to, to watch it because it, it went through like the tumultuous like nature of the development. Because it was like five, it was something like five minutes, five minutes development, five years. <laughs> development. Took, took five minutes. Yeah, to five minutes. Gosh, <laughs> done. So it was like five years development, but um, they were doing every, they were like doing everything concurrently. So everything was running. They were developing everything in parallel. So like the game mechanics and the design and everything was was all parallel. Right. It wasn't like they did the mechanics first and then the design, etc. Yeah. So that was like quite, a, and like Corey's just like, D -d if you're ever doing a game, don't ever do it like that again. Yeah, we learned from our lessons. Don't, yeah. don't try and develop everything at once. But Santa Monica were, at that point, they were actually developing another game, like this sci fi game, but then it ended up getting canned. And there was a load of layoffs there. Mm. And then suddenly, the, uh, they got like a mass so onto the God of War project. They suddenly had this massive influx of like 110 people, like just being thrown onto the project. It's just like I just, you just didn't know what to do with any of them because <laughs> he's like, oh, you got two weeks to plan out what they're gonna do. Big shout out to the score as well, to the game score music. Oh yeah, that was great. It's really nice. It's it's music that's like soul, but it blends in with like the action and everything you're doing really well. Like it doesn't stand out to me, but it's so nice. Did you see the um, E3 2016 reveal demo? Mm. Oh, so good. So good. You know what? I've seen it, but it's been so long. I probably won't remember it. So this was obviously like the first time anybody <laughs> seen God of War. First known about it. And they were very ambitious about it. So thought, right. It, it took them a year and a half to develop just that demo for E3. Really? Wow. Yeah. Jeez. And... Because they decided to do like a live demo, so Corey Baller was going to play live on stage, and there was going to be a live orchestra playing along with it. So, so Bear McCreary. Oh, did, I heard about this. Score. Yeah, yeah. He was playing the music live along with the demo, so it was like a nine-minute playable demo with the music live. Mm. And it's just like this. This is a wonderful moment where I think the first bit of the the demo is um, a cutscene where Atreus is playing in, in the garden like some doll things and then 
he goes inside and it's like, oh, I'm hungry, boy. Feed us. And then Kratos steps, steps out of the shadow. And this is like, you can just hear the crowd erupting at that moment. No, yeah, I, no, I remember that. The, the crowd erupts when, when you see like the, the silhouette of Kratos and they, like, he stands through the light and everyone goes nuts. But... Yeah, but Ben McCreary, he was the composer. He was just like, obviously he's below the screen. And there's footage of him just like, at, the, at that moment where he steps out, he's like raising his hand like that. And you can just see the smile on his face as soon as he just hears the crowd. And half the orchestra just starts smiling as well. It's just a really nice moment. And they talked about how they're doing um, focus testing. So they got a bunch of like players to come in and play the game. Mm. You know, as it got close to, you know, as it got more into it, production. And they, just, they were sat in a room. So the developers were like sat in a room observing people playing the game. And none of them were showing any emotion. And Corey's like, what's going on here? What's, what, why is no one showing anything? And one guy just started trying to beat a Drazel. He was spending the entire test just trying to whack him. Well, why not? <laughs> Come on, friends. I'll, 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 I'll have to watch this uh, documentary. Sounds for you. Yeah, it's, it's really good. But like six months before the game released, Shunei Yoshida, you know, the president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, mm-hmm. he turns up at the studio and he played the game. And apparently when he left, he was horrified by the state of the game. Because wow. everything, because, because things hadn't quite come together by that point. Mm, yeah. It wasn't until like the final few months that like, everything Started came clicking. together. Mm. So yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Come to think of it, well, now you think about it now, it's just like that's six months from the end of development. He was horrified by it. Well, but, some games but, are horrified now when they've been released. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, six months before. But, it, it, but they showed some of the bugs that were happening in the game. Still mm. quite late on in development. There's one where, do you know at the beginning, where he's picked up the tree? Yeah. There's a moment where he stopped doing that, but the tree is just floating in the air, <laughs> just moving, as if he's still carrying it. There's another moment with the, with the the big dragon fight on the mountain. It's like, you're just, you're just on, you know, the open area bit where you have the main bit of the fight. Mm. And, like, the dragon's, like, jumping up and down and all that. And then suddenly it just phases through the ground and just disappears, <laughs> the dragon. I was like, oh, right, okay. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a fairly simple story, but told so well. Um, mm. Just the relationship between boy and and dad. Oh, there's, there's one other wonderful thing in that documentary. Is that, um, it, it shows like the emotional toll that the developments had on people. Mm. And Corey, he um, it was something like one week before the release was when the review embargo was lifted, and he was like just at his computer and he thought right I'll just record I'll just record my reaction to it mm. so like have a look at the reviews because he was like really scared right it's just not it's, it's just not going to work because it's such a departure from previous God of War games yeah so he thought is, is this just going to go crazy people are just going to hate it so he was live so he was like refreshing you know for the live reviews and there's just a moment where suddenly you saw the reviews go live and you could see his face just change and you can see the emotion just go on it when like everyone started. It was it received so universal praise, and he just oh, starts yeah. he just starts shedding tears, and it's just a real moment that just goes to show that behind game development there are mm. these are real people. Yeah, and they just, do care about oh, what yeah, they're yeah. putting out there. Yeah, I mean you can say whatever you want about management, and shareholders, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but the people making the games care, and he quite clearly cared. And it was just wonderful, just just to have that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Have that just sense that of relief. relief. 
Yeah. Yeah. Having all that lifted off his shoulder. Mm. And there was, a, there was also an interview with uh, Christopher Judge. We to be spoken about Christopher Judge, the voice of Kratos. Oh, yeah. And um, he was being interviewed with him. He was like, he, what really hit him about the game is the story. Because he felt in his life that he missed like 10 years of life with his kid because of the nature of his, of his job you know, mm. as an actor. So like, he was always away. And he started, he started like tearing up in, in the interview because he just suddenly hit him. It's like, that's what he reminded him of. Uh, upon its release, the game received 40 perfect review scores and a total average of 94. In its first three days, it sold 3.1 million copies. Now, I, I actually reinstalled the game a few days ago. I just thought, right, I'll just, I'll just have a go, just you know, get back on it, see what, refresh my memory a bit. I know I'm never going to 100% it, maybe because of those damn Valkyries. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'll go around and I'll try and you know, pick up all the collectibles that I could. You know, see what cool stuff I can fit because you know you can pick up these pommels and yeah. and all this stuff. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll just go around. And whilst I was doing that, I was looking at a guide to see like what, what I'd missed, etc. And I noticed on this guide there was a screenshot. You know, on the the menu screen, mm. uh, you can on the map you can flip between realms, can't you? Yeah. So it can, it can show you different realms. And I noticed. There was a symbol on the screenshot that I hadn't got on my game. And I'm like, what? What is this? What? Why? What is what? So it turns out there was a realm that I'd completely not been to oh, in my right. game. So I thought, what's this thing? And it was Muslimfai. Oh, yeah. Been, I don't know if you've been to it in your game. But... I've been to mine. So it turns, yeah, so... In order to unlock these, you have to, I think you have to collect four is it ciphers, I think they call them. I can't remember. But yeah, so it's, yeah. It's it's like the language that um yes. Atreus gets to learn. Yeah. Now it turned out I had actually collected them in my original playthrough. Hmm. But I never visited it, which is why it never appeared on my map. Oh. <laughs> so I, I travelled there and then in this in so in Musubheim, you have to climb a volcano. So that was quite interesting. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I've only done. I've yeah, I've only got to the second part. But yeah, because you have to do like uh, a bunch of trials to get up. Yeah, yeah, I think. Okay. Uh, oh my. I'm either stage three or stage four, but there's there's a, and it's funny how they've got like so there's a there's a normal trial that you do, and then there's like a hard trial. Yeah, then there's so hard two ones, trials. Yeah. yeah. Even though I think even like the normal ones hard. <laughs> So I think the current stage that I'm on, I think I'm on the third stage. The, the normal trials like defeat 100 enemies. What? 100 enemies? That right? Ooh, it's it's difficult. I've gone to like I tried it once, got to about 70 something before like I finally health wise was dead. But like you get all sorts of enemies. Uh, the dark elves come in. You've got projectile people. Uh, just trying to manage them all at once is not fun. I'll finish with one final thing. So, in the beginning of the game, when you're fighting Boulder, or the Strangers, he's known there, mm. there's the, the moment where he snaps his neck and then throws him off the, you know, off off the, the cliff. The, the yeah. Now, there's a, there was a hacker who managed to hack the game. He, he did this with PT beforehand. He managed to hack oh, yeah. things like that. But what he's done is like he's been able to hack the cameras 
Yeah, so he, he able... moved it through the cameras around in the game then, can't he? Yeah, yeah. So, he, so he did that in God of War, and he did mm. it during that, that fight. And it turns out that when you kick Boulder off that ravine mm. and he's falling, now usually, obviously, the camera's not showing that bit. No, the camera's live. Well, you put the free camera down there, and it turns out that Boulder at that moment is absolutely—he's actually flipping you off with the middle finger <laughs> as he's falling. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's great. That. <laughs> I looked through some of the Easter eggs that you can you can find in the game. Uh, someone's come like a list of like ten of them that that you can get and stuff. I just thought I'd pick out some some interesting ones. So. Um, uh, so some some fun ones that I've been reading is that um, if you if you complete God of War and head back to Alfenheim, so the the realm of the elves, Mimir will will tell you a story about um, about sort of the the war between the dark and the light elves, and he'll reveal that the the god of the light elves, the the who you think are the good people, is Freya. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting one. So the other thing about Freya as well is, which is quite surprising. So how are you talking about the Valkyries? Um, about when you, so when you get all eight helms back to the the Council Valkyries, you end up finding the Queen Valkyrie, um, who isn't who we thought it was in in Helheim. That's not the large creature. That's not actually the queen. The queen appears and you end up finding her, but yeah. you end up learning that Frey is actually the queen of the Valkyries, which is kind of shocking. So yeah, apparently you end up learning this once you defeat who you think the queen is. So that's going to be a lot of things in the sequel of what Frey can do. <laughs> uh, God of light elves and of Valkyries. Well, queen of Valkyries. She has a lot of things. Nuts. Oh, funny thing as well, at the start of the game. So, you know the fight with Boulder, and you end up knocking into some sort of drawing on this Boulder that gets crashed down. Whether you can remember it or not, I'm not sure. I initially didn't think too much of it. Once you... I think you, like, pick up and crash it on, on top of Boulder at some point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That Boulder, uh, that mural on the Boulder is actually one from... Jonheim that reveals Atreus's giant name, Loki. Ah. But it's right at the start of the game, so you can immediately, if you just read it, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> game's spoiled for me. <laughs> I don't know about other things. The only other thing that I thought was quite funny is that you can actually get the Infinite Gauntlet in God of War. Yes, that's what I was thinking about. Yes. Yeah. You can actually, yeah. I've actually got the Gauntlet, but I've not realised what it is yet initially. But it's uh, it's called the Shattered Gauntlet of Ages, and you can actually pick up six enchantments in the game mm. that will power it up. But you have to do certain things in the game or get to certain yeah. certain locations to get them. I've not actually looked into it. I might I might look into it see if I can put it together because I didn't realise what it was initially. It's not easy. I tried to make a start on it, I'm just like I can't do it. Should I start on it? I'll talk into it. But. You know, we've established you're the one good at games here, so maybe you have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Killing Valkyries, getting platinum, so all that stuff. <laughs> There's also 
there's also an uh, Easter egg that relates to one of the previous games as well, uh, which uh, reading it is actually quite funny. So uh, I think it's in the it's in the very first game. Apparently, it starts with Kratos fighting like a Hydra, um, and throughout the fight, apparently, it leads you gain a a key from a boat captain that's in the Hydra's mouth before you kick. Apparently, you end up like kicking the captain back down the Hydra's mouth for some reason. I'm not sure why. I've not played the first game. Maybe I should. Um, but there's a there's a treasure map that you can get in the new game that's called the boat keys, uh, the boat captain's key, and it actually like relays kind of the story back back to what happened in the first game. It's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've, I think I've done that treasure map, but obviously I didn't understand the connection. Mm. I, I wouldn't have. I'd have looked down and be like, okay, something to do with boat captain the Hydra. Fair enough. I think the only the last thing that I want to mention is nothing to do with Easter eggs, more of a kind of a tribute to um, the actor who performed Kratos, the, the motion capture actor, um, who sadly passed away in quite tragic, uh, a quite tragic uh, moment. But the the actor who was Chad. Gaspard, I think you might say his last name. Uh, he was actually a former wrestler, and I mean, I'm like quite a big wrestling fan. The kind of the hair that he was, the motion capturing like person for Kratos. Can I imagine like how built he was in in real life, like looking at wrestling? But she wanted to pay a nice tribute to him because I think he did a, a brilliant job performing as Kratos, like doing all the moves and stuff, and then obviously combine him with. Christopher Judge. Christopher Judge. But to combine both like performances um, was really well done. I really loved the story and this, the, the whole father-son aspect. I'm actually I, I'm really looking forward to the second one, whenever that may be, which apparently might be this year. Shout out to Sonny Sunji as well, who played Drapes. Not for when so he was a bit of an idiot, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. He did that um, bit well, but I don't like his character at that point. Because <laughs> he, he was both, he did both motion capture and and the voice. Because yeah, that was actually his face. Yeah, I've seen some oh, of that. I, I thought it looked right like him. <laughs> so yeah, I did love that moment. When was it? Was at the game awards when they picked up the award <laughs> and they were like they stood there well, and like they were, they, were, they were introducing. Yeah. The award, no, yeah, they were introducing. That, the award. that was a great moment. Yeah. And like. I think it was uh, Christopher had said something, and then like there was just a massive pause. So, yeah, so basically they, they, went, they went out, and they were just like they didn't say anything. So Sonny was holding, the, you know, the, the, the car. Yeah, he was holding him. He's like he's looking all like and, like, he's, and, and they're just looking at each other. Christopher's just is just like and there's just this silence, and then somebody just goes, "Read boy. it, boy," <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd just went mental. Cloud, it's it it a great moment. <laughs> He was wearing, wearing quite a elaborate suit, I remember as well. So Christopher Judge, he was like this white, very fancy, yeah, yeah, absolutely stood out, didn't he? I think, in conclusion, what an incredible game, and I think it's just to show that the single player game is not dead. Long may it continue. Certainly not. PlayStation, you know, you keep you keep coming out with these single player epics. Long yeah, definitely bangers. These action adventure games. They keep you gripped. No DLC, Tell no microtransactions. A complete game that worked. So there you have it. God of War into the video game Hall of Fame. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. 
and because it's bi-weekly on Tuesdays, you can visit our website at jokingdolphin.com where we post the whole thing. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on Facebook as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. We're also on YouTube where we post this very podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye, boy. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.